The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the spotlight here on Fightful. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That is Steven Jensen. And it's been a couple of weeks for me, but I am back. I'm glad to be back. Glad to be joined, as always, by Steven Jensen. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? Wait, sorry. I, I don't even, I forgot. It's been so long since I've, doing, since I've done this intro. Shout out to Big Dick MLJ for the intro, as always. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing all right. Felt a little under the weather this morning, but I'll uh I'll I'll get through this show. I'm I'm looking forward to this. We have a lot to talk about. It's good to have you back. Good to have everyone in uh in the chat and here this morning. It's good to be back at the regular time slot. Also, we were doing eight thirty the last couple of weeks, so good to be doing nine thirty today. And uh, yeah, since last time I saw you, CM Punk's back, so we got a lot to talk about there. Um, a lot going on with WWE, a lot going on in the indie scene. I mean, there's a there's a ton going on uh, right now in the world of wrestling, so. Happy to be back and uh, happy to see you all in the chat. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be back as well. Thank you to SP3 for filling in the, the past two weeks. Uh, for me. I know I made a run in last week, but appreciate SP3 jumping in, filling in for the past two weeks on this show and in the weeds as well. Uh, but yes, there is a lot to talk about in, in wrestling because since the last time, I mean, you've you've done this show. Uh, we, we have had the return of CM Punk. We've had a Big blow up in the bloodline storyline in WWE. We have Forbidden Door this weekend. A lot happening, as you mentioned, on the independent scene as well. So let's waste no more time. Let's let's get right into it. And you know, we're gonna start with I'm old and I'm fucking tired. And I work with fucking children. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh they know everything. CM Punk, he's back. He's not wrestling kids. 
right now. I mean, Samoa Joe, longtime veteran. He's got Kojima this weekend at Forbidden Door. Obviously, a longtime veteran as well. Not wrestling children, CM Punk. He is addressing children in his interview on Collision, where he's talking about counterfeit bucks and how he never lost the AEW world title and how nobody can fill his shoes. And until someone can fill his shoes, he ain't going nowhere. CM Punk is back, the debut episode of AEW Collision. Jensen, I know CM Punk is uh, your favorite wrestler. I'm pretty sure that's a fair statement to say. What'd you make of his return? Um, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. Like, you know, I talked about this a lot on Tuesday with Doug. Like, I, I don't know if I'll go like as hard on this as I did then. I was like pretty fired up on Tuesday because everything like kind of just happened. And now, I mean... Obviously, CM Punk showed up on Dynamite yesterday. So, like, you know, that was kind of unexpected, but kind of expected. You know, we didn't really know. But um, anyways, I'll kind of I I can kind of unpack the whole CM Punk thing for uh, for like collision in his return so far. Um, First, I'll say he uh, the actual main event, like him actually in the ring, he looked really good. Uh, You know, I thought that he was smooth in the ring. I thought the match was really good. I love the stuff with him and Samoa Joe like. uh, excuse me like uh especially when they faced off right at the beginning and joe put him in the corner and just chopped the hell out of him and i saw will washington on twitter saying that he was in tony khan's office like while that was happening and he could hear the chops like live in the building which i thought was pretty crazy which which i which i actually believe um but uh so I'll start with, like, the good, right? So, like, him in the ring I thought was really good. Him with Samoa Joe I thought was really good. The promo at the beginning of the show I thought was, like, a really good promo. It was a well-done promo. He had some really good lines in there, like the counterfeit Bucks line. You know, that that definitely hit. Um, You know, so there was a lot of really good stuff about the return. The crowd was obviously really pumped for it, um, which, you all you know, you'd expect in Chicago. So, uh, so I think that uh, – I think, you know, so – the most uh, it's hard i'm, I'm gonna get to kind of some deeper thoughts on this here in a second but like as far as like surface level on the show i thought cm punk for like what his role should be in AEW right now and going forward i thought it was done well he was well established he had the world title in a in a sack with him you know so like or at least it was heavily implied that's what he had in the bag so you know there's a lot of layers to this because he also has like ongoing stories with with mjf and he technically never lost the title and all this stuff. So there's, there's a lot invested in CM Punk returning and obviously collision being a brand new show. Like this is centered around him. He even said on dynamite last night, he's like, I'm a collision guy. Like there, there's so now other, so one thing I mentioned that I just, or one thing I've noticed that I wanted to mention, you know, I don't know if this is just me, but Doug agreed with me when I talked to him about this also, he um punk when he's just kind of like, moving around like not wrestling but just moving around he looks like a bit fragile to me like just like he like something like maybe it's like his hip or his knee or something he doesn't look like he just like walks around comfortably now he's he's up there in age like he's he's beat up he has a lot of injuries tired right exactly so like i and i get children i'm i'm younger than punk and i walk around like a bunch is uh wrong with me because i'm old tired and I, i work with children as well true but there, you know, the, um, what's, what's, I mean, but like, you know, I know the adrenaline and stuff, it doesn't, you can't tell when he wrestles. It's similar to, um, 
really good example would be Nick Gage. Like if you ever seen Nick Gage like before or after one of his, just like at a GCW show and you see like Nick Gage walking around or if you like met him out in like person, just like, like as a civilian, like at the grocery store and you saw Nick Gage, you know, buying groceries, he'd, he'd be moving around pretty slow. You can tell, you can tell his body's been through it. Like he's hurting, but when the, uh, but when the the bell rings and the music hits, like it all just goes away completely. You know, he he's 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 super fluent in the ring. And yeah, sorry, can you give me just one second? I'll be back in just one second. It's got to be yeah. my microphone. Real. Well, Jensen is unfortunately under the weather on on today's episode. Uh, he said he might have to step away, so hopefully he's doing okay. To his point about Punk and the way he just kind of walks around, look, I assume that's just a lot of years of wear and tear on the body. He, he's coming off a, a triceps injury. I'm sure it doesn't help. He broke his foot last year. Uh, it's just a lot of wear and tear on the body. Again, I'm, I'm younger than Punk. I do not have the rigors of a wrestling ring uh, on, on my body. Sometimes you you just the 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 joints ache, the the joints and the muscles, all of it just aches when when you've been doing this for for so long. And, and Punk Punk's been doing it for a while, so I can understand why he might be moving a little a little bit slower. But in the ring, like I thought he I thought in the ring, like he looked fine. He looked like a guy who hasn't wrestled in almost a year. He hasn't wrestled since September. Kind of looked like that. Uh, so that was pretty understandable given given how long he's been off. He doesn't work at like the fastest pace in the world anyway. Punk has always gone with a, a more methodical, psychological style than, hey, let's just hit a bunch of uh, high-impact moves the entire time. So that was understandable, the, the way he looked in the ring. He wrestled to kind of his pace and his style. And he wrestled guys who were going to wrestle his pace. And his style. So I like, I thought he looked fine for a guy who hadn't wrestled since September. And then I, I was talking about the way he's just moving in the ring. Again, I legitimately think that like, it's just, he's beat up mm-hmm. after all his years. So what are you going to do? And he doesn't need to, you know, he doesn't punk is always so methodical in not only his wrestling, but the way he speaks and everything. It's so poignant in the way he speaks. He doesn't need to be high energy on the mic and like moving around at a fast pace and like talking like me with my hands and all the time and things like that. He's just very chilled, calm. And so he's moving. He's just kind of, he's kind of just himself out there. And when you're yourself, yeah, the the adrenaline might not always be there when you're just speaking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you pretty much nailed it on the head. And like the, the Nick Gage example I was giving was exactly that, you know, just like, there's a lot of wrestlers like that. I know Mick Foley was that way. I'm sure when he wrestled, I mean, he was super beat up. There, there's people who just, you know, you see them walking around and they, it looks like they're kind of hurting. They're, they're really hurting probably, but um, it, it just goes away once their music hits. And like I said, I thought CM Punk in the actual match, like he looked good. Um, and he stayed uninjured and, you know, it just, I think everything came across good and the crowd was super hot for it. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, the promo, the the counterfeit box line was like, a, was definitely... Like, that was a really good one. Um, you know, but here's the thing. Okay, so now I'll get into kind of the the ugly side of this, all right? This dude looks so salty, right? Like, he, like, like he, you know what I mean? Like, you could just see it in his face. This is totally different than when he returned to, to AEW or, like, returned to wrestling, but for AEW, um, you know, last year or whatever. Like, it was, a, you know, a totally different vibe from CM Punk, like, 
he looked pissed. You know, he came out and you 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 could tell there was a lot of stuff you wanted to get off his chest that he, you know, which he did. He get a lot. He did get a lot of it off his chest. But so I don't know if I want to jump right in. I mean, I might as well. There was one line in particular because I'm giving him a lot of credit, right? Like, I mean, I, I want to make this really clear. Okay, here it goes. So there were there was one line in there that I thought was uh, particularly interesting. And he said something to the effect of the only thing softer than the elite are their fans. Yes. Right? Um, but before I say anything about that, Jeremy, how did you feel about that line? I They were chanting, uh, you know, for... I don't remember they were doing the F the elite chant for a little while. Um, but then I, I think that, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the favorite wrestlers and, and he mentioned that line, the crowd was chanting something at him. And that's why he, he kind of went with that line. It was a reactionary line that, that didn't seem like the counterfeit bucks line. That was a line where like he, he was, he was on the bus, Marshall Matherings, that, that one of just like, Oh yeah, this is a, this is a hot line right here. Um, the, the only thing softer than, you know, the fans of the wrestlers or, or the wrestlers they're fans of is uh that one was seemed like it was more a little bit more off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that one was in the chamber also, to be honest, like he was ready. Okay. to I think he was ready to, to say that, too. Um, but but at the time, it was perfect. I mean, it was it, he knows he knows what he's doing. He hears the crowd and he's reacting to it. I get that. Um the issue I have with him saying that, though, is like, like, do you want to know what I think, Soft Jeremy? What's that? I think it's pretty soft when you're like 40 years old and you get in a fight with another grown man and they hold you down and tickle you. Like, I think that's pretty soft. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I just, I just always keep into mind who's saying the things that they're saying. Um, I think it's a really good line. And I think there's a lot of wrestling fans that think CM Punk is a, just an absolute badass. I'm just not one of them. So I think that like 99% of what he says and does at this point is like, it's actually, it's entertaining. It makes for really good television. Um, but I mean, if he might, he may as well in that promo have said, Steven Jensen, I'm talking to you. You're softer than the elite. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and, and I, and I speak for a lot of fans that feel the same way I do about, about him and just kind of this whole situation. So uh, I think I think he's an egomaniac. Um, I, I think he's incredibly salty about a lot of things, and but I think it makes for really good television. So it's one of those things where, like, you know, he can he, he can call people soft all he wants, but like, you know, it is what it is. Like I, you know, I've, I've made my my thoughts on CM Punk pretty clear over over the, the years. So, um, you know, like I said, I thought I thought it was a uh, <laughs> people on screen and stuff. You can take my thing off, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Like I, I, I thought, I thought the return was really entertaining. I don't want to know if CM Punk and the Bucks are, have made up backstage or anything, right? Like I, it makes for way better television, not knowing the status of them backstage. Um, it, it made for interesting television, not knowing if CM Punk for sure was going to show up last night or not. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it makes for good television, but I hope it doesn't divide the locker room too bad or like cause people that I like to leave the company or anything like that. You know, I, I'm not saying it well, but I, I, don't, I just hope it doesn't. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've, you know, 
it's just if, if pretty much anyone else saying that line i would have been like oh okay damn but like him saying it's just kind of like mm, okay like kind of hard to hear you call people soft when we've seen you actually fight people you know uh my issue with the with the promo is what did it what did it set up in the immediacy and it wasn't a lot i think we can we're gonna look back on this promo in a month or two and it's it's either going to be hey that was a cool promo where cm punk addresses enemies and he hits some hot insider lines that people like us understood and enjoyed or maybe didn't enjoy but like we got it and ha this popped it and everything it was for that crowd so i will say that like the crowd loved it it was in chicago the crowd was gonna love anything Mm -hmm. that man said on that night he clearly had a lot of things to get off his chest he hadn't spoken since the press conference i did the espn interview uh but like on television on television he really hadn't spoken since before all out but the last time we saw him on television was holding up the title right i like that he addressed the title situation i thought that definitely needed to be addressed the shots at the bucks and the soft wrestlers and everything like okay we know what that was about what does this set up on tv and if there isn't a program (laughs) coming with the elite what did we accomplish what if there isn't he's just a giant hypocrite once again because he's doing what he's complaining about because he all so much of this stems from him getting angry at hangman page going off script and saying something that none of the fan base even knew he was saying but it hit cm punk super hard to where he's still obviously very upset about it to this day um but if what he did on screen wasn't in storyline he's literally just doing the same thing back and by the way this is a guy who's made a career on doing this to other people that's what's so annoying about this to me and there's a lot of annoying about this to me but like cm punk a lot of his argument is hangman page going off script on him and, and he thinks that Hangman was shooting on him and stuff or, you know, chopped him in the mouth or whatever. But I think it was, it looked like an accident to me, but it, whatever. That, that's not here nor there. The, my point is, you know, CM Punk's made a literal career on shooting on people and, and going off script. And then someone does it to him. And now he's, now, now he's complaining about it in ESPN articles. You know what I mean? And then, and then if he comes back and just does it again, you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, one of those no. things. It's, just, it's it's like I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills when like like CM Punk fan. Listen, I understand there's there's hardcore CM Punk fans that that have been ride or die with this guy for 10, 20 years. Some of these people, and I've been watching the guy longer than most of y'all. By the way, I've, I've been I've been I've been watching CM Punk longer than most of you who watch this that that ride or die for this guy. And I've just did seen the pattern over and over. Huh? Did you understand the music at in the dog collar match? Did you get I that? Did. did you get that reference? You, okay. Oh no one of us yes i'm very very familiar but and it was badass dude that was an incredible match i give that i give that match so much credit i give that mjf feud so much credit everything cm punk's done on this on the show has been fantastic he's great for AEW television i'm just concerned about the device in this backstage and having to create new shows for the guy and him just continuing to do this stuff that has always you know it's just it just he doesn't it's, it's a never-ending pattern with this dude but he does such good business for these companies when he's around. I've given this analogy a thousand times. Actually, we, we talk about with Declan in the creator spotlight, um, which uh, y'all were here at the end of this show. Declan Goff from uh, Score North 
he uh we talked about it with him well so we'll leave a little bit for that but you know that's the thing he's, he's too valuable to not do anything with if he's a part of your company but at one point at what point does it become like a real problem i don't think it's at that point now because like he's back and business seems to be good and here's the other thing that i don't know like do the elite like are the elite benefiting from this because they probably are either way because i'd imagine as evps like if they have a whole another show with collision whether they're on it or not this is speculation. I have no idea how this works, but I'd imagine they would get paid more or something if like collision is successful because they're EVPs in the, in the mm-hmm. company. Like, I don't know how that works, but you know what I mean? Like, I just, I was just thinking about that too, kind of where it's like, even if we don't like this guy, him coming back is still helping us. I don't think anyone really knows what these EVP yeah. titles mean That's fair. and everything, because, you know, if you're EVPs, Maybe we don't know the the specifics of of brawl outs and everything. Was Mega with them when they came to talk to to Punk and things like that? The investigation wrap we did learn that from uh, we did learn that from the ESPN article is that um, the the investigation did wrap and of course now the suspensions appear to be over. A steel is back and everything, so we we know all of that. Um, but, you know, EVPs, you would think, would have to conduct themselves a certain way, but they're also wrestlers. And, look, man, they they in Chicago, when they returned, were trolling the hell out of CM Punk in that in that trios match with Omega doing the biting spot, and they're making yeah. Punk references and doing the GTS and everything. You know, what, what do the EVPs do? What are the responsibilities that make them the, the EVPs? of this because te- theoretically they should be at every show if they are the evps um so i'm not gonna pretend like i know how they benefit from oh if collision is success we make more money i don't know if that's true or not i know their contracts are up um i do know that much and you know i right. think they can leverage some of this into into better deals and things like that depending on how things go uh but yeah i don't I don't know what their their EVP title has to to do with this. And and Everett saying they lost that match and it was playing to it was it 100% was. I I didn't have a problem with it. I'm sure on this show we joked about it yeah. a lot. We probably thought it was hilarious. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, it was and look, they're wrestler like they're wrestlers before EVPs, right? Because sure. EVPs you're going to not do certain things that these guys are doing as professional wrestlers. You're probably not doing being the elite stuff as like evp type thing they're wrestlers first this is why i just don't know how much this this evp status like fully fully means yeah no i'm with you and that's why i said i was kind of like recklessly speculating a little bit as far as like uh that's a shout out to score north by the way the reckless speculation line stole that from them um and that's been stolen from me from them from people um but the uh i i you know i i agree that uh it's it's it is strange when like they're EVPs in the company, and but like they can't be on the same show as one of the talent. You know, like it's the whole thing is weird. It's all very strange. Um, but at the same time, you have everyone in this is very valuable. Like CM Punk himself, obviously very valuable to the company. But like collectively, I would make an argument that the elite would be just as valuable. 
you know, collectively. I don't know if you can individually say like Heyman versus Punk, like one to one. Young Bucks versus Punk is like a two to one. Omega versus Punk is a one to one. But long term, you also have to be thinking, how long do you have Punk? Like, how much of this is worth what's going to ha- like? Do, are you okay with losing a Hangman page that you could have for the next decade over CM Punk for the next two years? You know what I mean? Like, it just them just just weighing out. And I'm not necessarily saying it's it's come to that or anything. Honestly, what what I hope happens is Hangman and CM Punk sit down backstage. Nobody knows about it in the wrestling world. Like we'd never find out. I hope the two of them sit out. They ha- sit down. They hash it out, and then they put on a great program on television. I hope the same thing happens with with CM Punk and, and Omega. I want to see CM Punk versus Kenny Omega one on one while we have the chance to see it. I want to see the Young Bucks and, and CM Punk in the same ring. You know, and that's like you said, if 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 what Punk is saying on camera doesn't lead to anything then that's just a giant miss for everybody. Um, but the elite are trolling too. I mean, they're not completely innocent. I, I've made, I've, I probably don't make that clear enough on this show. I talk about it on other shows a little more often, but like the elite aren't, aren't innocent. Like you said, like they, they are trolling too. They have done things to poke the bear, but some of it's in retaliation. Is some of this, you know, it's, it's all going back and forth and it isn't necessarily good, but listen, like, the Bucks are also EVPs in the company. So there's just, there's dynamics to this too, that make everything even more muddy because you have CM Punk swung on his bosses technically backstage, but his bosses fought him too. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, for what we know, we didn't, which isn't honestly a whole lot. So it's a, you know, and, and I'll be, I'll be completely honest. All of this considered the person who like really needs to figure things out is Tony Khan. Like at the end of the day, like to be honest, like I can I can sit here and give my thoughts on CM Punk and the Elite and you know, all day every day, but ultimately Tony Khan needs to figure this out for his own company. Like, who are you going to prioritize? Listen, we all get that CM Punk's your favorite wrestler, Tony. We get it, okay. Um, but you also got to understand that there's a lot of us that like if it came down to it, I'm I'm with the Elite. If it comes down to like having to pick sides, there's a lot of us too. The name of the company is All Elite Wrestling for a reason. You've already lost Cody, okay? Like, the, you know, it, that was already, like, giant red flag to me. Like, how did how did Cody slip away from y'all, okay? Don't let this happen with Hangman, the Bucks, and Kenny. Because without the without those guys, you, you may as well change the name of the company. It isn't it isn't all elite wrestling anymore without the elite. Um, so I think it's really important to remember, like, where you came from, where this company started, and who was there day one. CM Punk's been been Tony Khan's favorite wrestler for a long time. He was probably the first person he wanted when he started AEW. And he made it really clear that they made they had conversations, they reached out, and it was years. And granted, the pandemic slowed it down a little bit, to be fair, but it was still years before CM Punk, you know, believed enough in the company to join up. You know, I think there's something to be said about that. When you have day one guys who, once again, they may not draw what CM Punk does, but long term you got to keep that in mind um so you know and also we talked about it at nauseum but like the way tony handled the press conference like he should have cut that off immediately he got he got blindsided he didn't see it coming but like had that happened to vincent man that would have looked way different you know and like that's why vince gets so much respect as people's boss you know he's not a great dude no listen i understand all the all the but like but at the very least people that would never happen to Vincent Mann. Let's we'll put it that way. You would never see Vincent Mann sitting next to a wrestler and Vince is just trying, and, and the wrestler's trashing Vince and the company. 
and just like and nothing happens like that there would have been an altercation in front of everybody you know um so it's just one of those things where like tony khan's a different guy and i love tony i made it so clear he's the coolest he's like our age he gets to run his his fig fed on national television it's like the coolest thing ever um and i love AEW, and that's why i get so angry and passionate about this stuff with punk because i want AEW to succeed and i want to make it clear this last thing i'll say about it if, if CM Punk being a part of AEW makes them better and it's going to help them succeed more, I want CM Punk to be in AEW. But it's because I'm an AEW fan. You know, I want them to be, I want them to do well. So um, this is to Tony Khan and anyone listening. Love you guys. Please figure this thing out. And please, if they're going to be in the same company, you have to figure things out to where they can be on the same shows together. It's ridiculous that you're splitting things up over this. Um, you got to figure it out. I think he kind of has figured it out as much as he's going to figure it out right now. And that is the addition of collision and kind of splitting things right now. And then just biding a little time because like, they're going to be in the same, they're going to be in the same building on Sunday. Kenny Omega is going to be there. The bucks are going to be there. CM Punk's going to be there. Unless CM Punk like goes on first and then it's like, all right, Punk, you got to leave. And then we usher in the bucks and everything like that's the only way they're not going to be in the same building. But then for for pay-per-view and events like this, they're going to be in the same building. And then you just got to hope that through time, what's the same time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to hope at this point is through time that you can finally make peace with, with all of this stuff and you can get everybody together and you can get everybody working together. I don't know if that's help or hurt by stuff, the shots that are going to be taken on television. You'll see him punk said the line counterfeit bucks bucks changed their bio of like, haha, like we would have had a t-shirt mm-hmm. by now. Like, you know, they, they, they took it in jest. I think Sean was like, yeah, like seemed fine by it. I know Dave is saying like, everything's very divisive right now and things aren't good. So which side are you kind of kind of believing what who's saying what to to uh to reporters and everything you never know where, where that stuff is coming from so look um but i think when it comes to trying to figure things out i think this is tony's way of trying to figure it out and trying to just be like look we want cm punk here we know he's a draw for us they don't get a second show without cm punk it, at least it doesn't seem like it uh so we know he's a draw for us we got to have them here. Here's what we're going to do. And then we just keep taking it day by day until hopefully there is some resolution. And the resolution might be the young bucks and Kenny Omega and hangman page might just be like, you know what? This isn't for us anymore. And if that's, that's the resolution, then Tony is seemingly made his choice on this. But I think for right now, he's trying to do whatever he can do to kind of keep both sides a little happy without actually taking a side is that the correct approach should he just put his foot down and be like nope cm punk's out can't have any of this see you later or nope young bucks i appreciate everything you did but i'm I'm picking punk he's the bigger draw for us the gear gone should he do that i don't know you know i i'm not in that position of of tony khan and that's that's a hard hard stance to make given his relationship and feelings towards both sides. So I think for right now, he's just kind of trying to keep both sides happy, trying to keep both sides at a little bit of a distance. And then hopefully slowly, but surely they can 
come together and come to some type of working agreement. And hopefully we do get a working something out of this where they do work together and they make a lot of money and yes. they build a lot of interest because it'll be great for the fans as well if all of this happens. Because yeah, otherwise, like we're seeing this on TV and like if it didn't lead anywhere as a television viewer, as a television viewer, if all of this stuff that is said and done doesn't lead to like a match, doesn't lead to like them actually working together, it's like eh, all this kind of feels like a waste. You wasted my TV time building something that that just didn't happen. And that's unfortunate because otherwise you could have done something where it's like, oh, there's a payoff to this. If there's no payoff on television, then what what good is it? I understand, like, look, you know, everybody after Brawl Out was like, oh, put your differences aside, make money, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, sure. I get I get that sentiment of everything. But if that's just all kept backstage, then it's kept backstage. We're talking television time right now. That more people are seeing more people watch the television show than follow the rumors online. So on the television side, you want that stuff to pay off. I don't care if backstage issues pay off if they do cool. And if you follow it, follow the reports and the rumors and everything, then like, ah, cool. Wink and a nod. They're working together when they got into a fist fight type of thing. Chris Jericho and Sin Cara, they're working together after, you know, fighting each other type of thing. Jericho and Goldberg type of thing. Like, fine if that if the rumors if the backstage stuff plays out on television and it pays off there great but if you're taking television time to do all this stuff and it doesn't build anything it seems like a waste yeah i agree i agree i mean and the thing is if i mean hopefully they do hopefully we see this play out on television we do get actual storylines and like matches and stuff all these people involved and also outside of chicago I would really be turning CM Punk heel. Like, I think that's, I, mean, I think that's yeah. the the plan. I, I think that's I, what's going to happen. I think so. I think so too. And we talked about it a bit before, I think on the show and stuff like just, and I like that AEW does this. They have, they're doing kind of like the Bret Hart in, in Canada, like Bret Hart's the, you know, the baby face in Canada, heel in America type thing with multiple wrestlers. Like MJF has that, um, you know, in a, was it on Long Island that's where he's from? Um, so like, they're like New York really in general is like MJF territory. Like he's going to get cheered there no matter what. Um, and then you have, uh, like CM Punk's going to get cheered in Chicago no matter what. And I think that's cool. Like they, there's a lot you can do to play with that where you're a, you're a heel everywhere except for like a, maybe one or a couple different places. Um, so, uh, you know, and, in in CM Punk, his, his promo on collision vibe to me like way more of a heel promo than a babyface promo like there was babyface aspects to it because the crowd was cheering everything he was saying because it was his crowd but like the most of the stuff he was saying and the way he was saying it and his delivery and kind of like just just the whole vibe i got from the whole thing it didn't he didn't come across like a babyface to me um you know and that would even be if i didn't know all the backstage stuff. I still think if I was just like a casual fan, I still would have seen that and been at, least, at the very least confused. Cause like the last time you saw the guy, he was a baby face. He was like all happy and stuff. And he was the world champion. And for all, you know, he's just coming back from injury. And now the next time you see him, his titles in a, in a sack and he's got his, his shoes around his neck. And he's like, seems really, really salty. And he's calling out, He's calling out the elite and he's, 
he was saying, you know, he's name dropping David Zaslaw, which was like kind of wild. Uh, just really, you know, just, it, it was just, and by the way, they wouldn't know who that is anyways, most of these fans, but it's, it's just the, it's just the idea that like the stuff he was saying was very heelish to me. Um, even if you don't know the backstage stuff and if, especially if you are a fan of the elite, cause they're baby faces on the show. So like, you'd be like, why are they, why is he making fun of the, the young bucks? You know, why is he saying the young bucks fans are soft? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's probably also just ultra confusing for people who do not really keep up with it the way that we do. So especially when they when they strip Punk of the title and the Young Bucks or the the elite of the, the trios titles, we've talked about it before. Those fans had no idea what was going on. You know, they they might still not for the most part. I don't know. Um, not everyone cares about wrestling as much as we do. Some people just like to turn it on once a week and just escape from reality for a few hours, but they're not like digging any more into it than that. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I'm glad he addressed like the the title stuff because I thought right. that needed to be addressed. And I think I think the program that should be done is MJF and him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think MJF and his promo mentioned like he's still doing his thing with Adam Cole. He didn't mention Punk at all in, in the promo last night. It seems to just be on television a little bit of a disconnect with things, and it's because Punk is just going to say what he's going to say, and then. It, there's no real follow-up from anything else. And I think that's where you got to be careful when it comes to what we're seeing on television. That's where you got to be careful of making sure you connect everything together. So it's not like, Oh, punk address this. Why has an MJF like even, even like a line in there? Like why hasn't MJF said anything about this? Why haven't the young bucks said anything about this? Wait, why is punk working with, uh ftr why is he going after these guys but he's not mentioning them in like any of his promos or anything why is he going after these people but he's working with these like you gotta you gotta connect things a little bit on television because otherwise it can be a little confusing and yeah i i have friends who are we 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 talk about this with uh uh, declan and Mm -hmm. the forbidden door stuff which we'll get to here in a second like he's not a new japan fan and he didn't. Uh, he doesn't understand like Osprey and Okada and like why they're um, why they're so important in this landscape. And- hey guys, have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I saw a video he made and I was shocked. He is in his eighties, still kicking butt, working out, staying active. He looks like he's got more energy, can work out longer, even has plenty of that energy left over for his grandkids, and he did this by making one change. He said that he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife even started doing this thing, too. She's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger, her body looks leaner, has energy all day, and Chuck's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their health. Staying active is important. Moving around keeps you feeling good. Making sure that you take care of your gut health, your digestion, just overall, is also very important. Right now, you can go to mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Watch Chuck's video right now. That's mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Check out what Chuck Norris has to say. What's got him feeling so good these days? He explains everything, and you won't believe how simple it is. 
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And he didn't understand like why they're like why these matches are big and everything, and um, you know, and how good of a job AEW does in presenting them. It's like, and he said, like, yeah, they could probably do a little bit of, of a better job. And you know, when you're talking about casual fans, when these references with CM Punk, and I'm talking casual wrestling fans who watch AEW but just don't follow the stuff online, which there are a lot of, contrary to popular belief. There are a lot of those people. Um, you know, are they going to get these references? Are they going to connect it if you're not following it on television? That promo for us was great. We love that yep. stuff, right? I love. I, I said it before. I'm. I was happy CM Punk was back because I just love the uncontrolled chaos he brings to a television program. Like you just don't know what you're going to get out of this guy. Like you just don't know. And that's what I love about CM Punk. Like that, I love that about, I love that about him because he's going to go out there. He's going to say what he, he wants. He's going to do what he wants. And as someone who just enjoys the pop, I'm for, I'm for all of that. But there's a larger audience at play. And I'm going to pull up this chat from King of the North that this isn't casual fans show. Tony has said that in the media. I'm not talking about just like these casual fans who tune in once and it's like, oh, this isn't for me type of thing. I'm talking about people who watch weekly and then you need to retain them weekly. Like that, that's what I'm I'm talking about. Because if you keep doing stuff like this, there's a chance you might not retain them. I'm not talking about casual fan, like your neighbor who doesn't watch wrestling at all. It's like, oh, how can we get this person to watch our show. I'm not talking about those fans. I'm talking about the casual wrestling fans who are watching, but maybe they just don't understand that stuff. And this is not something like a Easter egg, like CM Punk coming out to his ROH theme and ROH gym shorts and everything for the dog collar match. That's like, ah, cool. It has real, no real bearing on what we saw on television uh, and, and things like that. Like promo callbacks, like that stuff is little Easter eggs for the hardcore fans. Things like that. This is stuff like you're building towards something that might not have a payoff. That can hurt the audience in the long run. If it's like, oh, he's been calling out Hangman Page. When are we going to get that match? Oh, it's not happening? Why not? Like that can hurt your audience in the long run if you don't pay off this stuff on television. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and as far as, uh, there was actually a super chat earlier about Punk. If you can pull that up real quick. Yeah, Um, because it will kind of tie into everything I'm about to go into. So uh, Doug Savona, thank you very much, Doug, for the super chat, um, says we're going to be at both Toronto shows and can't wait to see CM Punk for the first time live. I think the Toronto crowd will surprise everyone, be a place to cheer for him. Keep doing a great job, guys. Thanks, Doug. That's very, uh, very kind of you, man. And enjoy uh, the shows. Yeah, enjoy the shows for sure. And there's there's there is a chance. I think the Toronto crowd might might cheer CM Punk. I mean. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be city to city how this works, and that also makes it interesting. Like it really does. Um, now that said, at Forbidden Door, CM Punk's gonna be wrestling Kojima, which I mean I think it'll be a good match. But 
and it was I was very confused because they just like put the graphic up on the screen. It was like Kojima versus Punk Forbidden Door in like the tournament, and I was like, "Wait, did that say Punk Wrestling Forbidden Door?" Because <laughs> like I don't think it had even been like confirmed up to that point. Um, and I, I guess like the I, I, you can probably elaborate on this more than I could, um, but like, I, so I've been I've been seeing that Ken, like it was supposed to be Kenta and Punk, and now Kenta is like refusing to do it. That's like Sean reported that that was the plan seemed like it was going to happen there's a lot of who refused to do it whether it was kenta or punk sean seemed to indicate it was more of the the kenta side other people have indicated that it was more of the punk side i don't know why it fell through i it'll probably depend on who you ask on that obviously i'm going to trust sean when it comes to this stuff His, his track record speaks for itself um, but yeah, I don't know if it was the Kenta side or the Punk side. Regardless, it seemed like that was the match that they were building towards or at least trying to set up. Not building towards it because they weren't building towards any of this stuff. But that was the match that they were trying to set up and it's not happening. Yeah. So, yeah, it is It is weird. It's weird that they couldn't get that together like uh, King of the North said. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with Punk being like... There's something in the back of my mind now with everything that has to do with Punk after he talked about... Um, being in that match with hangman and like considering giving a receipt but not doing it and like not and like kind of like messing up the the buckshot and like the stuff that but his his kind of excuses were like well i didn't know if this was going to go sideways I, I couldn't tell if he was shooting on me i felt like i had to protect myself punk was basically saying the matches he was having with certain guys like hangman weren't as good as they should have been because he was more concerned about protecting himself than just having a good match um and I don't know if that's like the case with Kenta. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Maybe it's something like that where he's like, this guy legitimately doesn't like me. I don't want him actually kicking me in the head. Um, and I hope that isn't an ongoing issue for CM Punk, by the way, because like he's going to have to deal with that with every single person he gets in the ring with. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like him that are that they're going to probably want to work with him. And they're going to have to figure that out. So, but but if but it's also very possible. I want to be very fair. It's very possible Kenta just doesn't want anything to do with this either. It's, I mean... It's a weird thing of like oh i'm i'm worried that these people are going to shoot on me but then you're actively building this match with the young bucks and kenny omega i mean i guess he just assumes like hey if this turns into a a shoot contest i can take these guys it's okay and yeah ftr is there as well when it it comes to this stuff so but (laughs) yeah it it is weird of of like hey i don't want to scared that these guys might shoot on me but let me also build this match with people who I know don't like me for obvious reasons and they might shoot on me. Um, yeah. It'd be pretty I embarrassing, know. right? Like if like, if you're seeing punk and like hangman page chops you in the mouth and then like you do give the receipt because like my thing is this in wrestling, I'm not a wrestler and this is going to be me talking a big game that I have no business talking. But as, as somebody who is a wrestling fan, I, I don't want to hear you talking about considering giving people receipts, either do it or don't do it. Like, it's kind of weird to go in public and be like, I almost hit him back. Like, well, it might end you. Like, what are you afraid of? I think I, I'd be, it'd be pretty embarrassing to get beat up by a non-wrestler if you're a former UFC fighter, like in front of a lot of people. So like, I don't know if like he's in a position to like give receipts, you know what I mean? But like, if it was like the young bucks, I don't know if he'd be too worried about it, but like, I don't think he'd want to get an actual fight with Hangman page in front of, you know, a full arena of people. I think it'd be a good idea for him. They should just bring back the brawl for all. 
AEW yeah. Raw for all. Yeah, yeah. that'd be wild. <laughs> that'd be wild. But uh, as far as Forbidden Door, man, like what what else? Uh, we can kind of transition more into Forbidden Door talk for for other. Is that because that's kind of your AW spotlight today too? Yeah, it's right? AW kind of, and yeah. other. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with with Forbidden Door, and we've spent a lot of time on CM Punk already. Um, but when when it comes to Forbidden Door, look, the the biggest match to me is Danielson and Okada. That's the headlining bout. I think that's going to be a, an outstanding, outstanding match. That's a match we never thought we'd really see. These are two of and Danielson, as everyone knows, in my opinion, the greatest of all time. Okada right up there for a lot of people he's the greatest of all time so we're gonna get a, a fantastic match out of these two that's the standout match for me i'm very much omega and osprey one is my favorite match of the year so far so i look forward to seeing what they can do in the follow-up as far as like the the multi-man kind of stuff or the the undercard kind of stuff i guess i am looking forward to this four-way for the international championship with orange cassidy daniel garcia Zack Sabre Jr. and Shibata. I think that'll be a lot of fun. The tag match last night was a lot of fun, um, even though I felt like most of it was picture in picture, which was unfortunate. Uh, but I really enjoyed the tag match. And then, you know, Shibata took the loss last night, which we, right. I think a lot of people were just expecting, oh, Garcia is going to eat this pin. He's the only guy without a title in this match. But I was pleasantly surprised to see Shibata. T- and you can do that. Champions can take these losses. It's it's okay when, when it's being built like this and it doesn't happen that regularly and in some companies aw included like they'll just have these singles champions just take losses in these nondescript tag matches and it doesn't go anywhere that annoys me this was fine because it's building to something yeah no i do it i i'm i i'm looking forward to this whole show like i i, I think that forbidden door last year was the best pay-per-view of the year um, and I'm expecting this. Listen, like the CM Punk Kojima thing, even like, even though it's kind of like underwhelming on paper, because like you would kind of want something bigger, I feel like with Punk's like big singles return. Kojima's a legend, though. Like we got to give Kojima credit. And like CM yeah. Punk's a longtime fan of Kojima. Like there was some clips that surfaced from old shoot interviews uh, like last night and stuff of him like talking about Kojima and stuff um, back in like the early 2000s. So like I, I'm, I like Kojima. I liked when he popped up in, in Impact not too long ago and stuff, had a pretty good run there. Like I, uh, so like I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it. Um, the international title match, like you said, I think that's going to be a badass match. I mean, all these matches on paper look incredible. I'm most looking forward to Danielson and Okada as well. Cause we've never seen it before. Um, I'm really looking forward to the, to the, um, the buy-in or whatever they call it, the, the pre-show because Billy Starks is going to wrestle Athena. Like shout yeah. out to Billy Starks. That's incredible. Um, and for people who don't know Billy Starks yet, get ready because she's about to take over the wrestling world. Uh, she's been wrestling since she was like 13 or 14 years old. She's 18 now. And she was legitimately one of the best independent wrestlers of any gender for like a while now. And uh, she's going to be her and Nick Wayne are about to take the world over. Um, well, on AEW television, like soon um, there's a, there's a whole, the whole crop of, of, of young talent. That's, it's right there with them just unsigned, but they're, they're, it's it's wild how how talented these these teenagers are becoming at wrestling, um, uh, and then of course you know, like Osprey and Omega, very very looking forward to that. Um, something that I think AEW needs to do is like they need to figure out a way to sign Will Osprey. Like he needs to be like an actual part of it. I don't I don't know if he he want, he said this in interviews that like he doesn't want to move to America. He likes being overseas over in Japan and still living in the UK. I guess it's easier travel 
yeah there i'm, I'm not a geography or travel either. expert on this it. stuff but i'm just going by by osprey's comments that he seemingly doesn't want to move to america and so like if that's the hold up then what are you gonna do which is fair like i and i understand that like if if I can't knock that if someone just, you know, want, if they like where they live and they, they like where they're at, like, I'm not good on them. Like he doesn't have to make any moves he doesn't want to make. But the reason that I, uh, the reason that I say that is because dude, because this is the kind of stuff that gets lost on me pretty often because of like how deep we are like in wrestling so often when kind of take, take a step back. There are a lot of people I'm seeing on Twitter that are wrestling fans that just don't follow New Japan, similar to Declan. I mean, it's just like there's a lot of those fans. And, dude, the women on Twitter are like, they're like, Will Ospreay. Oh, my God. This guy is the hottest guy I've ever seen in my life. Like, they haven't seen this guy wrestle yet. And they're like, you know what I mean? And we've all seen him wrestle. Like, we know that he's like the best in-ring wrestler in the world or one of them. That's like the perfect combination for a mega star in wrestling is like all the chicks think he's hot. All the dudes think he's cool. And he has banger matches with everybody. Like, I mean, he's just a can't miss, you know, I, I know that there's, there's some people that don't like him for like reasons or whatever, but like, I I'll just say like, I dude, that, this dude is phenomenal and he can talk and he's, he's just one of those guys who's, who's instantly like you're drawn towards. Like if you were just walking around a mall, you would just, you would know he was someone, you know what I mean? Like, so I, uh, I just wanted to throw it out there. Like I'm seeing a lot of people who are just now discovering Will Ospreay through, through this. And they're like, they haven't seen the guy wrestle and they already can tell he's a big deal, you know? And then they're going to see him wrestle and they're going to be like completely blown away. Especially because it's going to be him and Omega. So those guys are about to have, their first match was already, I mean, it's going to be tough to, to top that, but I expect that they will. Um, and then you have the added layer with, <laughs> with, um, Don Callis now kind of like offering protection to Osprey um, during this match too and stuff. So there's, there's even more layers to it. So yeah, there, there's a lot of great stuff and it's not even going through everything, but there's a lot of great stuff. I, I did see, I thought it was interesting. Sonata did, I guess like an interview talking about how jungle boy, like how's he even getting a shot at this title? <laughs> like, it's an open challenge. Yeah. Dork. <laughs> you, you gave it anybody. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, uh, I kind of get where Sonata is coming from because, like, Jungle Boy hasn't really won anything lately, like, in AEW that you'd give him, like, the cred to go after this IWGP world title. But well, don't do an open, open challenge. challenge. That's fair. Or put it's some stipulations fair. on it of, like, hey, open challenge, but only former champions can accept. The only people who have won singles titles can accept. Don't do an open challenge like that. I like Sonata, but yeah, dummy. True. And then also the last thing I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch on real quick is um, the, uh, the JAS, um, or I guess technically uh, Jericho and Sammy Guevara, along with Minoru Suzuki, uh, they're going to take on Sting, Darby Allen, and a mystery opponent. Do you have any idea who the partner is going to be? I think it's going to be, I'm assuming it's a New Japan person, right? Same. Like this is, because uh, I've seen people like speculating Goldberg. I'm like, I don't know if that... <sighs> Bits. Oh, I would love that though. It doesn't fit. But I, would, I, would, stuff. I would mark out so hard for that though. I mean, look, if it's Goldberg, that would be honestly amazing. <laughs> um, I just don't know if if that like it seems like it's gonna be a New Japan person. This is New Japan AEW. Uh right. I know Suzuki's in the match, so there's your New Japan thread right there, but 
like you look at like the elite matches like ah we have shota new japan we have uh ishii new japan so like it seems like there's gonna be a new japan guy on the sides um i i think my guest is naito that was my guess too. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh Sting and, and Darby mentioned, like, yeah, a lot of people don't like you. And Jericho and Naito did have the rivalry in, in New Japan, did have the match in New Japan. So my guess, and they teamed with Shingo last year. Um, right. so there's your L I J tie in. And I don't think Shingo really has that history with uh with with Shingo. Jericho. So I think that's why Naito makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. That was actually exactly what I was thinking last night was Naito. And it it was because of what you just said with uh with that line about how like Jericho has made a lot of enemies around the world. And uh that was the first thing that came to mind for me too. Because Naito also hasn't like they haven't talked about him or brought him up for the show. And you'd imagine he'd be a part of it. He's a huge part of New Japan. So um I'm with you. I think it's gonna be Naito as well. Naito coming out there wrestling in his shirt, just going through the motions. Love it, love yeah. Naito. That man just gets paid, doesn't care. Just go out there in the shirt, just get that check, Naito. Bless Thank that you. man. Um, yeah, anything else from from Forbidden Door that uh, really kind of kind of stands out to you? Um, no, we can uh, we can move on. We'll we'll talk a lot more about Forbidden Door next week on the show. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of. Uh, I mean, by this by this point next week we'll be talking about this being the best pay-per-view we've seen in our lives and i mean it's it's a can't miss show even on just having danielson versus okada and osprey versus omega it's gonna it that already is worth to me like the 50 bucks of the pay-per-view they can charge more honestly for this and i'd pay for it um this is a quality this this is i mean if you're a fan of professional wrestling you should watch this even if you don't watch aw or new japan if you're just strictly wwe or whatever like i would just highly recommend give this a shot because this is like it's really amazing that Tony Khan and everybody involved in, in with, on the New Japan side and the AW side that we're living in a in a time where like this is even possible and happening. Like this is this is just such a badass thing that they're doing as a joint show. And then and then they, not only that, they actually have put in the effort to put together like legitimate dream matches for this thing. So um, so I highly recommend checking the show out. I I agree. I, it's it was arguably the best show of the year. Last year, a lot of people uh, thought it was the best show of the year. And then this one, like, man, we're getting Danielson and Okada. As a wrestling fan who just enjoys professional wrestling and matches, it's tough to complain when you're getting a dream match on that level. So it should be a very good show. Uh, all right, let's move on to WWE. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. The story never finishes, and the story never finishes with the bloodline, as they might be in the bottom of the fourth now with the <laughs> happenings on on SmackDown. We finally got it—the big turn. Jay Uso making the turn on Roman Reigns. He sided with his brother Jimmy, super kicked Roman, took him out, took out Solo, and now we get the bloodline civil war at Money in the Bank. Jensen, what'd you make of this turn and the bloodline officially fracturing? Um, it's good to see it finally happen. It's been a long time coming. They did a good job. The whole cinema argument or whatever debate online is kind of funny to me. Um, the uh, it's let me all right. I'll I'll put it this way. I'm happy that it's happened. I like the way that it was done. I think it's been really, really drawn out and all this probably should happen all like before WrestleMania 
to you know lead the way for Cody to win the main event of WrestleMania and all. But like this, I'm glad that it's happening. I'm glad we're actually going to get like a civil war like match, you know, where there, there's the sides are split and maybe other family members or something can maybe get involved in this now to maybe kind of spice things up a little bit. I, I, but there's, so like, I, I am excited to see like the immediate future for this storyline and to see kind of hopefully the bloodline, the whole bloodline thing, hopefully like wrap up soon, like and Roman lose the title, but, but I'm, so let me, let me back up a little bit. I don't think Roman's going to lose the title at least until this upcoming WrestleMania. So he'll hold it until at least, at least mania. Now, what I'm concerned about is two things. Okay. Because obviously the end game here for me is Cody wins the title at WrestleMania 40. Okay. That's all I want. Now, there's two things that concern me. One of them is, yeah, guy. the other one is, this is almost happening too soon after WrestleMania for me now, because it almost feels like to me, they're giving this time enough where the bloodline could implode and then potentially reform by WrestleMania. If that makes sense. Like I could see a potential story where like they, this actually brings them all closer together as the bloodline. Like, you know, they're going to fight each other for the next few months. And then by next WrestleMania, they're even stronger than they were before or something. I don't know. But that's my biggest fear is like Roman not dropping the title at WrestleMania Cody. So however we get there, I don't know. But I think that uh, for the immediate future, this is going to be a really good story. I mean, it's been a, the Bloodline story has been great. It's, and it's been the main story on the WWE television for, you know, years at this point. Um, and it's still a captivating story. The fans are still popping big for it. It's still generating a lot of, you know, discourse. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about it right now. We talk about it all the time. The, the Bloodline and Roman Reigns and all that stuff. So it's good. I, I like the story. I think it's good what they're doing, but it is, it is one of those things where I hope that it's a full split. Like the use of, after all this is done, like the Usos are on their own solos on his own Romans like off TV for a little while or whatever it is. But uh, I feel like there's also a really good possibility. These guys fight each other. They work it out. They're stronger than ever. And then Cody still doesn't win the title. <laughs> I thought the segment was very well done. The pop was, was huge. Um, it does feel, I don't know about too soon because this story's been going on for a very long time. Well, I mean, too I, soon, like after WrestleMania, like, like, I feel like they should have done all this pre WrestleMania, like, right, you know what I'm I, saying, but now I'm like, there's almost like, cause there's still almost a whole year until next WrestleMania. And now they're starting the split. So that's kind of what I mean by that. I was a little surprised when, when I talk about too soon, I was a little surprised they're doing this tag team match at money in the bank. I thought oh, maybe I yeah. they would wait until like SummerSlam for this but i guess you can do a big roman title defense at SummerSlam because money in the bank the appeal of that show are the money in the bank matches and you got rollins and balor on there as well but i thought maybe SummerSlam would be the big bloodline um the big bloodline civil war match uh type of thing so that that was kind of what surprised me a little bit is that oh my god the power just no, you're good <laughs> yeah i know it did but you're still with me if you if you, okay. if, you drop, if you drop i'll i'll Hold it down until you come back. No, I saw okay. that happen for a second. <laughs> uh, it's it's Sting. Sting is coming. Um, 
Yeah, so I was surprised that they announced this tag team match for for Money in the Bank. But look, this storyline's been going on for a very long time. I thought the the segment was very well done. I'm very interested to see who wins this match. Does Solo take a pin? Do Roman and Solo just win? And it's like, oh, okay, the Usos. It feels like the Usos got to win this match. Like it seems like one, they're the tag team. They're the tag team, right? Like I always prefer when the tag team beats the two singles guys because that's just the easy story of like, well, yeah, they're the they're the tag team specialists. They should win these tag team matches. I understand Roman is is God mode, so he can just overcome all of that. But I I think the Usos should win this match. I think it'd be great if Roman took the pinfall. I think that adds a level two things if Roman takes the pinfall. But even if Solo takes the pin. And I know Solo got beat by Kevin and Sammy, but the Usos were to blame. So it's like, eh, okay, sure. It, Cody Solo. pinned Solo also before. Yeah, they yeah, and Solo Solo's been beaten. But like Roman can like chastise Solo like not getting the job done type of thing. But Roman's Roman running out of friends right now. So I don't know how Eddie wants to but like him finally losing just puts that little dent in the armor of like, oh, Roman got pinned. Um, so I think Maybe they go that way. I think the Usos should win this match regardless. As far as like the overall Bloodbond story goes, they're setting up for Jay to get his big title match. I think Jimmy gets a title match first. Jimmy probably loses. Maybe Jay is the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. And then poor, poor Cody Rhodes. He doesn't need to beat Roman to finish the story, right, Jensen? If he beats Jay Uso for the title, isn't that like you'll still be happy, right? I mean, more. I mean, I'm still going to be happy to see Cody win the title, regardless. But like, it definitely hits different if it isn't whoever beats Roman is. I mean, gets a gets the win over a guy who's had the. I mean, by if depending on when this happens, we're talking like three to you know maybe almost four, whatever the one thousand and whatever amount of days i mean it's just it's a big deal whoever's gonna pin him and or submit him and to get this title um i don't see it being jay uso but like they have done a fantastic job and jay himself has done it they've done a fantastic job of elevating him to make it actually believable that he would have a chance like that that is super impressive you know um which i've done with a lot of guys throughout this thing Sami Zayn, cody like kevin owens seth rollins a lot of these guys who like went up and challenged Roman unsuccessfully, even though they lost those matches, a lot of those guys have been elevated quite a bit. Um, like Rollins being a great example. Like, I'm not saying that that Roman necessarily is the one who elevated Rollins. I mean, they've, they've both been pretty level playing field since day one as part of the shield and stuff. But Roman clearly is like the chosen guy and Seth kind of would flounder here and there over, you know, there were periods where he just kind of was underused or they didn't really know what to do. But now he's, you know, one of the most over guys in the whole company. So um, there's a lot that they've done really, really well in this bloodline thing, not just for the bloodline, but for other people. I think it's helped elevate other people too, as, as people who were, who were feuded with, with Roman and the bloodline throughout this. But ultimately someone needs to beat Roman. Um, Storyline wise, honestly, Jay probably makes more, the most sense of anyone. Like, yeah. you know, but I'm biased. Cody needs to win the damn title. Cause, cause my whole thing is like, dude, you left AEW for this. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is how your dad number one. This is the story. This is the story. Like, and man, this would be a bummer if he wasn't the one to beat Roman for me, at least. Um, but I, uh, I, you know, 
I'm looking forward to the bloodline stuff though going forward. I think the Civil War stuff's gonna be good. And I and I'm with you. I think the Usos should probably win. And I think it'd be really interesting if Roman took the pinfall on that. Sorry. Um good. as far as Cody goes, he's wrestling Dominic Jensen. Like he's got he's got bigger things to worry about than than Roman Reigns. He got the biggest heel in the business in front of you, Dominic Mysterio. So sure. why are you worried about Roman? Don't worry about him. You gotta get through Dominic first. That's fair. We'll talk more about that uh leading into money in the bank next week. Uh your WWE spotlight. Logan Paul is in Money in the Bank. Do you you think he's winning this thing? Yeah, I do. I was actually saying this uh for weeks before he even was officially in the match. I was saying Logan Paul should win Money in the Bank. There was a lot of people that like didn't like that. And I get it. We actually talked about with that. We'll save some of this for me and we talked about this with Declan in this in the creator spotlight quite a bit. This I this whole Logan Paul money in the bank idea. But uh, but yeah, I think that him having the briefcase, like I get it. The other wrestlers had to qualify. Um, Logan, when he comes in, he jumps the whole pack. I get that, but so does Bad Bunny. So does Brock Lesnar. I get, I get Brock's a different. There, it's different because he's a part of the show and his history at the WWE and stuff. But like, for all intents and purposes, it's the same concept. Brock Lesnar is just he's just a bigger star than like everyone else they have on the show. So when he shows up, he's prioritized. John Cena is the same kind of thing. Logan Paul is the same kind of thing. Bad Bunny is the same kind of thing. Um, we're in, and what's so cool about guys like Logan Paul and Bad Bunny, as much as you might not like Logan personally, there's a lot of unlikable things about Logan Paul. But what you have to respect is like, this isn't like a Drew Carey type situation where like celebrities used to come in and like just not really do anything or like not really take it that seriously. Logan Paul is clearly taking this very seriously because his matches have all been really, really good. And I think he is really good at what he does in the wrestling space and the mainstream attention that the company would get by having Logan Paul walking around with that briefcase doing impulsive with that briefcase on his set, going to Jake Paul fights, going to PFL events and prime sponsored events and all this stuff, holding the money, in the bank briefcase. It, it gives, it gives like a real, it just gives a, a lot of exposure to the WWE and you know, just the honest to God truth is, is he's a bigger star than everyone in that ladder match combined. Like if you look on paper, like, so I understand why they would, they would, you know, and listen, I love Shinsuke Nakamura. He's one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Um, this LA Knight thing is very strange to me. I'm very, why very do you strange. hate LA Knight? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just let me I'm talk just, to you. I'm just ultra confused as to how he's gotten so over by, by having, a catchphrase of his own name, the word yeah, and just kind of just cause not cosplaying like The Rock and Austin because like I, I have to give him credit. There there is something good about being compared to these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because there are people that are like, he's just a dollar score dollar store rock. And I kind of agree with that. But like the fact that you're even comparing him to the rock at all, that is somewhat of a compliment. Um, I think he's pretty good on the microphone. I just don't think he's actually saying anything that's entertaining or interesting or funny. I just think his delivery is just very over the top. And I think the 10 year old WWE audience, which is like most of their audience is like, it's really low hanging fruit and they can get it. Anyone can just say, yeah, like everyone can do it. 
You know what I mean? It well, somebody else it. should have thought of this sooner before LA Knight came along and got no, the crowd I know. on his side with it. It's it's just it's just baffling to me. And the in the thing, I don't think he has good matches. I think I mean that 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 Mountain Dew match was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Right, and he was half of that. Long, and I'm not putting it all on him, but I'm putting half of it on him. And and I mean and and honestly, name one LA Knight match you should go out of your way to watch in his whole career, going back to L, to Eli Drake. Name one. L.A. Knight and Xavier Woods from SmackDown a few weeks ago. Okay, dude, that okay. He has he has like a like an over decade long career. I remember this guy's <laughs> career. I remember he was a part of like NXT or FCW or whatever like years ago and stuff. Like, I listen, but I'm just saying if like he's had a career this long because I can't name one by the way. But you just named something from like a couple weeks ago because you just remember seeing it a couple weeks ago not because it was like some classic match so so that's that's my point it's la like, night and have... cameron grimes in nxt they had some good matches okay that's the only thing i ever see people point to by the way is that so nothing on the main rock or anyway my i'm not sitting here cares about you my, my, my work point... rate dorks this work rate nonsense who cares la night goes out there this is the brilliance of la night this man's got catchphrases and crowd participation. You're like Triple H and Vince McMahon here. Steve just, I don't understand why he's over. Who gives a <laughs> shit he's over? So do something with him. Keep no. him over. Keep him on television. Have him win matches. He got over organically, I, even though yeah. you tried to bury him with three-minute losses. Listen. He still got over. So capitalize on it. Quit oh. being stupid about this stuff. Oh, he doesn't do enough flips. A lot cares. Of, I didn't say that. A, the listen, crowd a lot, loves them. A lot of guys have gotten yeah. over organically. A lot of guys have gotten over organically, and most of the yeah. time, I've, I've disagreed with the, uh, the 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 suppressing of them. Like Zach Ryder is like a great example, right? He got over super organically, and they didn't run with it. And like I think that was a big miss for them. With Eli Knight, I'm kind of more of the camp of like he's over. He's made himself organically over. So he's over. Let's let's work on getting someone else over though instead. It's my kind of mind. Maybe the they should get themselves over like LA Knight did. They're trying to get other people over. Ain't working because they ain't got the brilliance and <laughs> the gall and the microphone skills of LA Knight. Yeah, let me talk to you. Put the Listen, money in the bank yeah, on this I, man. I saw John Cena like like instagrammed a, a picture of him the other day and stuff and like listen they've been I'll, trying, they, they've been trying yeah. to get austin theory over for like five years now i don't think he's been in the company that long they've been trying to get this man over for years now and he ain't hitting like la knight right la yeah. knight's got it sometimes you just can't teach it austin theory what that you've been trying with this guy ain't working yeah yeah now I'm doing it. Um, the, the the thing, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Now I can't even say that word without feeling weird. I I think, I think it is cool that he is so over. I he might not be my cup of tea, but I'm glad that there is someone the WWE audience has gotten really behind for whatever reason. I may not understand it, but he is over. I got to give him credit. I just hope he isn't over to the point where they think that he should be the guy and not go. Oh, they should. He's way more over than Cody right now. Okay, we need to move on. Sorry, guys. We got, <laughs> got about 15 minutes before I got a clock in for my shoot job. 
But we can <laughs> listen, Logan Paul, Money in the Bank. I think he will win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, as far as him cashing in and uh like I think if Seth Rollins is the champion still, I think there's a chance that Logan Paul could beat him for the title because they have the history there. But I wouldn't see Logan beating Cody if he had the title. I wouldn't see him beating Roman, obviously, um, or most other people. But I could see it if like Seth's still the champion and Logan has that briefcase. Because what is cool about Logan having it is the unpredictability because he isn't there hardly at all. You would really have no idea when he was going to cash it in. Um, so yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go with uh, with uh, Logan Paul. But I think most of the people watching this right now want to see Eli Drake. Eli Drake. No, sorry, L.A. Knight. Because they're right. smart. Yeah. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Akira won the MLW National Open Weight title. World Middleweight right. title. Middleweight it's title. Sorry, World Middleweight. There's a lot of championships in, in MLW. Right, there is. You want to talk about this. This this yeah, match so, happened five months ago. But it aired, like, no, actually, no, it didn't happen that long ago. Because MLW it happened in April. Been- did it happen in well? No, that was two yeah, it happened ago. in April. Yeah, they've gotten better. They have gotten better about getting this. Stuff I mean, out it's a little still quicker. a two-month-old match. Two and a half. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Months. But it just aired, and the reason I wanted to bring it up for one, we do another, we do another spotlight, and we didn't have a lot of topics this week because we had Forbidden Door. So I wanted to make sure to give a shout out to Akira because Akira is badass. I like what they're doing with the calling in MLW. He's in Ravens group. Um, he got the win by uh, it was him, Lindsay Dorado, who was the champion, and Leo Rush. They had a good three way match. Um, uh, Akira hit the death penalty, his finishing move, uh, which is like the. Uh, it's like the reverse bloody Sunday, like the, like the reverse lifting D, uh, DDT. And, uh, and he pinned, uh, he pinned Lindsay to win the championship. So, uh, you know, here is, he's a KOBK guy. We always, you know, we've had Mo's on the show plenty of times. And, um, I've gotten to see Akira's kind of rise through the Indies and, um, and, and where he's at in MLW now. And like I said, I think the calling with Raven really works with, with him and what they're doing with that, with that. I think MLW actually has a good show. They legitimately have a good show. It's just a matter of like making time to watch it. If you, if you aren't already, and also trying to stay spoiler free, which is hard when stuff is pre-taped so long in advance, obviously, but 
Um, also, it's worth mentioning, I, I deep dived this a bit more on the weekend, or if you want to check that out on FightfulSelect.com. Um, Delmi Exo won the win, the Women's World Featherweight Championship from Taya Valkyrie on the same show. And Delmi Exo is like super slept on, in my opinion, in like the wrestling like kind of landscape in general. She's super talented, got a great look, great in the ring. Um, she can be a real asset to like AEW, WWE, Impact, like really anywhere. I think she would fit in really well. So uh, shout out to both of these new MLW champions uh, from this past show. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to kind of highlight Akira today and spotlight him because once again, he's a guy I've been watching grind the indies for for quite a while now um, in, in, in the traditional sense, in the deathmatch sense. I mean, um, in little bars in front of nobody, in front of big audiences. And, and he's, he's, he's carved out a good space for himself in MLW, and I'm happy to see it. It was a, a short little sprint. It was Lince Dorado and, and Leo Rush. The match was only like six, seven minutes long. Yeah. It, was, it was very quick. Um, no no knock on Akira, who I, I know you're a fan of, and, and the the little I've seen of him, like he, he does good work and everything. And a short sprint like this, not quite his style when he's in the ring with Lince and Leo. He felt a step behind those two in this match um i do like the the stuff that they're doing with with the calling and mlw i think raven anytime you can kind of get him on television is is good because he is uh he's a good personality and, and understands the ins and outs of a lot of things and obviously a great talker and can kind of just get stuff over through that so i like that but the the match itself i thought akira was actually kind of the weak link in this match uh against lindsay and leo and that's getting no almost no fault of his own because you're putting him in there in a six, seven minute sprint against two guys who work at a very high pace and Akira just not the guy to keep up with that pace, but we'll see what he does with the title moving forward uh, five months from now when these other matches that he's had airs. Oh, and he hit the bumper Indie spotlights. I'm going to give a big mother fucking shout out. Indie spotlight. We will, (laughs) Uh, start with Mark Strong and, and Kevin Blackwood from Prestige uh, Black Sunshine this past weekend. Roger Strong back on the independent scene and having the match you would basically expect him to have uh, against a guy like Kevin Blackwood, who's very slept on on the independent scene. I love the finish to this match. I love the reversals with the um, using the the Texas Death Lock and, and things to, to get out of the holds, and then Roddy, of course, hits the hits the back break, the knee, and the the um, and the party. Yeah, yeah, uh, for for the win. But I, I really love the finish of this match. Overall, the match was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Roddy Strong back on the independent scene. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what kind of why we want to spotlight today to let everyone know that um, that's available over on IWTV. Use code Fight Talk if you want to see Roger Strong return to the Indies. Um, he had a great match, like uh, Jeremy just said, with Kevin Blackwood, who, as Jeremy also just said, is is a uh, he's killing it on the indie scene. He's popping up absolutely everywhere. It feels like right now and uh, he's having great matches um and yeah i love the finish too like i like the reversals i liked uh roddy like kind of like doing the back roll into the stronghold and stuff and uh, uh yeah of course like the jumping knee into the end of, end of heartache and the reversals that led up into that and really good stuff um prestige is a, is a great company they put on great events and they have for a long time um they're a real quality company over there on iwtv so yes i uh, highly recommend checking checking that show out and um, if you didn't already know, because there, there's a lot of um, buzz about Roddy returning to the Indies, and now he is back. So if you want to kind of get back, to, you know, he hasn't wrestled an indie an indie show in a really long time, so it's a pretty big deal to see him kind of out there, back in like his old element. Uh, so 
Um, shout out to Roger Strong and shout out to Kevin Blackwood. Check that match out over on IWTV. Yeah, uh, everyone go check that out on IWTV. Use the code Fight Talk. Can we use the use code, code Fight, Fight Talk? Talk? Still? Yep. So, yeah, y'all can still use that code. Yep. Uh, speaking of IWTV, former IWTV independent wrestling world champion and friend of the show, former yep. guest of the show, AC Mack uh, announced that he would be stepping away from wrestling. He's going to have one more match. He announced this at Action Guardians. And uh, yeah, he's he's leaving leaving wrestling. And, you know, very, very sad. He's going to again, he's going to do one more match, uh, at least one more. Uh, but very sad to, to see AC Mack kind of stepping away from the business for the time being. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be wrestling Rico Gonzalez, and I I can't remember the date. I think it's like July seventeenth or something like that. It's next month. Yeah, um, I'll I'll look that up. Um, okay. Um, and for those of you who might not know, and this isn't me like telling any like anything that wouldn't it, no one would want out there. Um, you know, AC Mack is the first openly gay world champion that wrestling has had, and Rico is his boyfriend. And Rico is a great wrestler in his own right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's a really big, it's a really like, that's why there's layers to, you know, like that's, you know, his, his, his kind of retirement match or him. He doesn't want to call it retirement because in wrestling, you never know. Never say never. But, um, but no, Rico and and AC are together and it's a, it's a well-known thing. Like they're together at show, like even shows that they're like, AC is not wrestling on, like I'll be at shows in Atlanta and like him and Rico are together. And like, you know, they're, they're just two really, really cool guys that, um, I, I, I've, I've loved seeing the success of AC Mack. That guy has put so many of my favorite promotions on his back, um, especially Action Wrestling, but he's also a former sub Raps champion, or sub, Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm champion. Um, he's won multiple, obviously the IWTV World Independent Wrestling Championship. That's like the big, the biggest one for sure. Um, he's popped up on NXT before. Like this guy's had a great run. He was action wrestling champion for like at least two years straight, maybe even longer. He was a champion for a long time in action wrestling, had a really important feud with Brett Eisen throughout the Southeast that spanned action wrestling, Southern underground pro and other companies. It was unfortunately cut short because of the pandemic. There was a lot they were going to do with AC Mack holding both the subtitle and the action title simultaneously that they couldn't get to, unfortunately, but it's uh, super cool because like Rico is really talented. He's really on the come up right now. And, um, and I'd imagine that AC will put put Rico over on his way out, and, and it'll help elevate Rico to an even higher level that he got this big win over AC. Um, but like, if if y'all go back and watch when AC wins the Independent Wrestling World Championship in his post match speech, where he's talking about being the first openly gay wrestler to be able to to accomplish something like this, um, him and Rico like they kiss right in the middle of the ring. You know what I mean? So it's like it's one of those things where like people know that they're close and Rico is super talented and AC has already cemented his legacy in my opinion as like a legitimate legend of Southeast wrestling. So it's really cool that they have the opportunity where the two of them can share the ring as AC Mack steps away. And it can also be used to help elevate Rico going forward. Um, and I also really respect AC's mindset going into this hiatus or whatever you want to call it, because he basically said like he, he can still go out there and keep getting booked. Like he has the name value. He's talented. He's like, but I knew something was up because he wasn't popping up as often. He wasn't really the champion anywhere. And like, normally he's like the centerpiece of kind of like everywhere he's at, or he's the champion or he's like in the mix for that. And it hasn't been that way for a minute. And I was getting a bit confused. There's also a lot of shows that he was attending. And I see this locally because he lives near me. There was a lot of shows that I would like, just see him at, and he wouldn't be wrestling. He'd just be there in the crowd. And I was, I'd, sometimes I'd be like, 
this guy could have definitely got booked on this show. Why isn't he wrestling? And like, maybe he just, and now in hindsight, I'm looking at it going. So basically what he said recently is he didn't want to keep taking spots from people. Cause like he felt like he had accomplished what he, what he accomplished and he, his heart just isn't in it. Like it used to be. And he knew he could keep getting booked, but he would also look around and see people who weren't getting booked and be like, they deserve a chance and I'm taking their spot. And my, if I'm not hundred percent into this and they are, this isn't fair to them. And I think that's a really respectable reason to go out. Um, he's doing it for the right reasons. He's doing it to help progress the business. He's doing it to help get people who need the ring time in the, in the time in front of fans. He's doing it to help those people. And he's being incredibly unselfish because he, he could just keep getting booked over and over and over again, take up all those spots, become the world champion in multiple other companies. And instead he's, he's deciding to take this step back. And I don't know what he plans on doing. You know, I'd imagine he'll just get like a, like a normal job and just like live a normal life for a minute or like whatever. But um, that's not necessarily a bad thing either, man. Like people don't, you know, everyone's different and not everyone's goals are going to be your goals and stuff. And like, you know, even though, you know, sometimes you accomplish all these things, a good example really quick, because I know I got to get out of here real quick. There's a guy, guy Tifu, who I watch. He's a major streamer. He just retired. He's 25 years old. He just announced his retirement. And a lot of these people are like, this is crazy. Why would you do this? You're giving up millions of dollars a month, blah, blah, blah. Like, this dude's made money, and he's missed out on so much. And, like, he just wants to go live his life. He just wants to go be a normal guy and hang out with his friends at this point. And for someone like AC Mack, I'd imagine he's in a position where, like, he just wants to kind of maybe settle down or just kind of live normal or just not – not take spots from people who he feels like deserve the spot. So um, congratulations to AC Mack on a hell of a career, hell of a run guy means so much to, to not just the Southeast scene, but just wrestling in general. And um, it's, you know, with it being, it's still pride month, right? Right now, like yeah, June. Yeah. June, all of June. Right. So, yeah. I mean, what, a, what a great representation for that uh, AC Mac. I mean, he's, he's the first person I think of when I, you know, him, Effie, Rico, these kind of guys, like they really mean a lot to like what's going on. And like, you know, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about AC Mac. I, I really can't. I, I think he's, I think he's incredible. So congratulations AC on a great career, man. I hope to see you back, but if not, like do what you want to do. I know you got to run. Um, you were, were the person who kind of turned me on to, to AC Mack when we started this show. And you know, I didn't know a whole lot about him. You were like, hey, he won the title here. Watch this. Check this out. We got him on the show. He was very generous uh, to us. Very gracious with his time. Very just fun guy to talk to. Very nice guy. Um, so I was sad to see that he was stepping away. But as you mentioned, the reasons that he's stepping away, it seems like he's content and happy with everything. It's on his terms, which as a wrestler, you know, a lot of wrestlers talk about like going out on their terms. And for him, it, it is. So I think that's the the silver lining of all this. It's not because of some injury, some bad thing happened. It's his terms. This is the way he wants to go. And so more power to him. I, I hope we see him in some capacity down the line because he's still young. He's only like 20. Yeah. yeah. It's not like he's, you know, uh, old and you know, co- completely broken down or anything. But again, that it's his terms. This is how he wants to go out for now. And maybe he comes back at some point um we shall see but uh yeah congratulations to ac mac on a a great great career and look forward to seeing what he does in the future in wrestling if anything yeah and the last thing i'll say here on the way out is i gotta go clock in for the shoot job but the uh just quick really just really quick kind of background story with ac this is the kind of guy he is and this will always stick with me just for whatever reason um i saw him at a gcw event 
uh, probably about a year or so ago, maybe not quite a year ago. And, and uh, he wasn't wrestling on the show, but Rico was going to be in a scramble match. And I think it was Rico's first GCW event. And I, uh, I actually ran into AC like at the bar for at the venue. And I was like, Oh, Hey man, like, how's it going? And we talked for a second. And I was like, like, Hey man, I'm looking forward to seeing Rico. Like, cause like, you know, cause he's getting a big opportunity that night. And AC, AC turned to me and he was like, he was like, he ordered like a, like a super like stiff drink. And he was like, he's like, He's like, I'm so nervous. He's like, I'm so nervous for Rico. Because he like he wanted Rico to do so good on that show. And he and Rico went out there and killed it. You know what I mean? So like it's just really cool to see. Like he clearly just cares about other people. And um, I think what he's doing by stepping away is super, super unselfish. Um, so yeah, congratulations, AC Mac. Um, love you, dude. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, getting a clock in for my shoe job. If you guys want to hear more from me, check out the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. You can follow me on Fight Talk. Uh, at Fight Talk on Twitter. And uh, the weekend will either be Sunday or Monday this week. Uh, it depends. With Forbidden Door, I may not do it on Sunday. But uh, regardless, you'll hear it by Monday night at the latest. So uh, thanks again, Jeremy. Thanks, everyone, in the chat. And uh, y'all have a great Thursday. Enjoy this interview with Declan. Thank you, Jensen. Enjoy the shoot job as much as you can enjoy a shoot job. And I hope Steven Jensen feels better. Uh, he That was that was an under performance by Steven Jensen, but he had thoughts on CM Punk and he had to get those thoughts out there as he should. It addresses enemies. All right, everybody. We're going to go to our creator's spotlight with uh, Declan Goff from Score North. Uh, he covers Minnesota sports. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Timberwolves, Minnesota Wild. We do talk a lot about some some Minnesota sports. As, as people know, Jensen is a big Minnesota Vikings fan. I like hockey and basketball, so I was more than happy to talk hockey and basketball with Declan uh, after some some Vikings chat that, that Jensen was very excited for. And we talk a lot about professional wrestling as well because Declan does talk about wrestling on his show. So a little bit of crossover stuff, some sports talk, some wrestling talk. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Everyone can uh, follow Declan on social media in the link below. Check out Score North. Uh, the link is below on that as well. So here we go, our creator spotlight with Declan Goff from Score North. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight, the interview portion of the Spotlight here on Fightful. I am Stephen Jensen, as always, with Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guest is a podcaster. He's a Vikings fan, someone who I've been looking forward to talking to for quite a while now. I know him through Purple Daily, the Vikings Vent Line, Judd's Hockey Show, all the stuff going on, on over there, over at Score North. Uh, we have Declan Goff joining the show. Declan, thanks for joining. How are you doing, man? I'm good, boys. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is fun. This is like worlds colliding. I mean, uh, Phil Mackey, my, uh, who's also my the resident wrestling nerd. We've always joked and and talked, not joked, because we like we're half serious about it. The, a wrestling show is like the last piece of pie that we want to put together. It's just you know these Minnesota sports teams take up like ninety nine percent of our time, and uh, it's it's like a side project of ours. We want to get that hamster wheel spinning a little bit, but I'm excited to join Fightful. Um, I love talking wrestling too and blending sports together. So yeah, really excited to be here, guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we appreciate uh, you joining us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, he's there. Um, Phil, you and Phil uh, both follow me on Twitter. We both we both follow we follow each other for for a little while now. The elusive the elusive follow is uh is Judd Zolgad, who is the the, the third the third host. I was I was just saying you and you and Phil follow me on Twitter. But Judd is the elusive follow. Judd Zolgad. Yes, he's 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 when I when I think of Minnesota sports, he's the first the first face that that pops into my head. Um, <laughs> and and uh, you know, so 
I, I was really looking forward to this today. I know you guys are big wrestling fans over there. I hear you and Phil talking about it all the time. Um, I, I know Judd, you know, pops in there here and there. I've, I've seen you teasing the idea of a wrestling show on Twitter, as a matter of fact, as you just said. So um, I, w- I hope you, uh, you dive into that sometime soon. Um, Declan, how long have you watched wrestling as a fan? So I was, I'm 30 years old, so I was born in 92. Um, I'll answer this kind of long-windedly, I guess. My first, like, conscious wrestling memory. My dad, as a lot of other dads in the mid-90s, uh, had a pirate box downstairs in the basement TV. So we got a ton of just, you know, pay-per-views that were just available to us all the time. Um, and I was a big, I was more WCW when I was a kid, uh, which I dabbled a little bit into the Attitude Era. And, of course, as I've gone back and watched it all and, and loved it all, um, I, I dabbled a little bit in both, but one of my first ever conscious memories, I was about four or five years old at the target center in Minneapolis and uh, nitro came to the target center. And I don't remember much from the card. In fact, I really should go back and rewatch that episode like on WWE network, but I remember it so vividly because this was obviously like 97, 98 it's pre nine 11. And I remember the national anthem, everyone having their lighters up, you know, and I remember being a kid and like, remembering that so vividly of all these lighters being up during the national anthem um so i I, that's like the earliest memory i have i will say i went through a phase i went through wrestling i went as a wrestling fan like in phases so from like 2000 to 2004 i was pretty checked out i didn't really watch a lot and then i started to get back into it because my friends at school started watching again and the first uh iteration of like smackdown and raw started getting back into was the first smackdown that jbl was WWE champion. He had just beaten Eddie Guerrero at Great American Bash. And then from like 04 to 08, I was all in. And same thing. I would say like I ebbed and flowed back in, but thanks to the WWE Network, I've been able to just like watch so many pay-per-views or like epic Raws or SmackDowns and stuff. So I've been in and out of wrestling a lot, but I, I will say like for the last five years, I've been pretty consciously in. Like I haven't really taken too lols, too much of lols and bricks. And because of the great WWE Network and Peacock, you know, everything's just available to you now. So yeah, I would say that that's kind of my long-winded way of how I first became a wrestling fan. And, and who were who were some of your favorite wrestlers when you got into it? And then when you kind of got back into it again. Yeah. So um Jeff Hardy was one that I always loved. Um, it's really too bad he hasn't been able to kind of, you know, keep his act together out of the ring. Uh, I, I, I wasn't watching live when he first won his WWE title, but I remember even watching that back, like even like five, six years ago for the first time when he won an Armageddon and just even the emotion and pop that I felt for that was pretty nuts. But I would say Jeff Hardy, um, Shawn Michaels is my all time favorite. Um, I think even the second half of Shawn Michaels, the post, you know, both lost my smile and both back injuries. Uh, I would say even that iteration of Shawn Michaels is more impressive than the first few iterations of Shawn Michaels. Um, and then other ones, I, I because I love Hardy so much, uh, I loved High Flying Guy, so I loved RVD. I loved Rey Mysterio. Um, I didn't really get an appreciation of like for like the technicians until I got a bit older. So I, I, once like Kurt Angle was once he was like done when WWE and he transitioned to TNA, I was really all in on on the wrestling machine uh, that was Kurt Angle. Uh, but per, the, Perk the, Angle, Perk Angle, yes, yes. yes. Um, but I, I would say those are like my first few guys that I really gravitated towards. And being like, of course, a seven year old like everyone else in the late nineties, if you were born in nine, 1992, like I was doing a crotch shot, which I probably had no idea really what I was uh, signifying and doing. <laughs> I have to ask you a very difficult question, and that is is a big topic nowadays. Do you think the Bloodline story is cinema? 
Yeah, it's it's cinema. I would say it's cinema. Um, you know, they man, and you guys can probably have talked about this at nauseum too, but they they shoved Roman Reigns down wrestling fans' throats for years and years and years. And I wasn't really all in on him either. I thought he was kind of a phony, but this tribal chief angle has just been so phenomenal. Um, and they finally got him over to the place that they've been wanting him to be for years. Uh, and watching this Uso stuff fall out. Uh, it's been even more impressive. It's been crazy. You know, I, I was one of those guys that was shocked they that Cody didn't get the belt off him at WrestleMania, but you know, it, it still works. It works so damn well. And watching all these guys that have tried to come and take the belt and just watching how well he is also on the microphone. Yeah, man, I, I, I would say it's cinema for sure. It's, it's been fun to watch him kind of develop and watch this whole bloodline angle fall out too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and as far as all like other, um, kind of current things going on in the WWE is actually part of what triggered me inviting you on the show today was a tweet that I put up about how I believe that Logan Paul should win money in the bank. And you strongly disagreed with that, which I, I appreciate people disagreeing as long as people are cool with like respectfully, like having a conversation, like I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of like tongue in cheek, kind of like uh fanboy for Logan Paul more like, I, I play into it because the wrestling fans like despise him so much, but it's yeah. like, I respect the athleticism. I respect how, how famous he has made himself through inter- the internet and, 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 and I respect the boxing. There's things about him. I definitely respect, but it's one of those things. And he's done a great job in the ring, in the WWE, like what, the, what the, the positions he's been put in, I think he's succeeded in. Um, can you speak kind of toward to like, what, why wouldn't you want to see Logan Paul winning the money, in the bank briefcase? Cause obviously he's in the match now. Yeah, and to be honest, I I come with you that he's probably the favorite to win. It, it wouldn't shock me at all if the, if he ends up winning it. The thing I don't really like about him, and you touched on these points that are true, he is athletic. He's way more athletic than I even gave him credit for it. The dude can fly around the ring. Um, the thing I don't really like about the buildup with him is he's using he's being used very strategically, right, to be over in these big moments, and you just have so many other guys and that are on the card that are deserving of that spot. And I don't love that. Like he gets to train with all these best guys and just be able to get deposed or disposed where, like, wherever he wants to be and wherever creative wants them. Clearly triple H loves them, which is like too bad because it, you know, triple H obviously is pulling a lot of the strings, but he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. And if he wants to be, I guess all in on WWE where he's on the roster week in and week out, he's not just like taking these, six months on six months off getting to train behind the scenes with all the best guys and then being used and the big high key pay-per-views um i could be my my tune would be changed on him a bit but that's what i think i just have such a hard time gravitating towards him and to be honest he's just like such an unlikable person like i i i I do not like the guy at all i didn't like him before he joined wwe i don't like him in wwe um you know i thought his promo yesterday uh, on raw was actually pretty good you know like he was playing to the playing to the hand of the cleveland fans and saying how much cleveland sucks and doing all that good stuff so like he's got some skills for sure i just don't love how he's used that's fair and and i know a lot of people were complaining on twitter last night about like everyone else had to qualify for money in the bank he just walks right in and gets right. a spot and and and, and, to, and to your point exactly like you just said about you know triple h likes him it's similar to you know someone like brock lesnar or something or or even bad bunny is a good example like these are people who are just going to come in and they're good they're just going to get spots because they're just ultra famous like they bring in a lot of eyes and they're killing it in the ring like if, if logan paul was going out there and he just couldn't wrestle that'd be one thing but i think now that they've seen him like do well over and over they're like well maybe 
you know, I, I like the idea of him having the briefcase mainly because I think in like the mainstream, he can kind of keep playing that whole thing up. And because he comes and goes, you really wouldn't know when he would cash it in. But at the same time, depending on who the champion is, I could really hate the outcome. Like for instance, if Cody finally wins the big one and Logan Paul no. cashes in on him, I hate that. You know what I mean? No, that's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And, and if and if like if like and obviously like I wouldn't want Logan Paul to be the one to to the throne Roman Reigns. So like there's there's some double there's some big double edged swords in this whole scenario. I could see it maybe where like he maybe cashes in on Seth Rollins because they have the history there. Like I could see maybe something like that making sense. Um, but yeah, this is kind of my me throwing it out there. Like I, I I've been saying this for a few weeks now, and then you know yesterday you know he was put in the match, so I just figured. Um, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he won. I, I guess I didn't put together, you know, just looking at that match, how awesome it could be potentially too if Finn Balor takes the belt off of Seth Rollins and then if Damian Priest won Money in the Bank, that that like, I don't think they're going to blow up Judgment Day that quick. Uh, but that's also like an incredible storyline, right? Like Finn Balor finally gets his title and he's champion for not just a day this time, but for like five seconds. And Damian Priest cashes it in on his own brother in there. So there's a lot of good stories. I mean, Money in the Bank's probably like one of my legit favorite pay-per-views. So I'm looking forward to how it ends uh, and how, and who walks out with the Money in the Bank, uh, both men's and women's side to a degree. But yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite pay-per-views, and I'm really really excited to watch it in a couple weeks too. I'm gonna switch over to to AEW, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. You seem to be a CM Punk guy. Is that is that correct? Yes, uh, big CM Punk guy. Uh, I love Hangman too. I love Adam Page. I was gonna wear my anxious millennial cowboy shirt. It is like 95 degrees in Minneapolis today, and it's a long sleeve shirt. And I just, I just literally came back from being outside for like be, an hour and a half. To be fair, you wrap it on on your podcast pretty I do. often. So, like, I mean, you're out there representing for Hangman. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Uh, but I was at. Uh, so we did a AEW did some stuff with us at Score North. We we actually interviewed Jericho uh, going into the Quake at the Lake um dynamite episode which was about nine months ago and that's the episode that cm punk obviously came back after the broken foot so i was there for that pop which was pro- and i've only been to a handful of things i actually was at uh full gear two when hangman won uh his first AEW title but that punk return was probably like the coolest pop i've ever experienced in person i mean i think we all kind of saw it coming especially when they were just brawling at the end and i was like all right he, they're, they're gonna do this right and that music hit of cult personality and it was awesome. But uh, yes, I'm a I'm a big CM Punk fan. A little cantankerous, but yes, he is he's he's a legend and I, I love him on the mic, dude. I was gonna say, you know, you you just mentioned you were also a hangman page fan. I was gonna ask kind of where, where you fall on this uh, and not necessarily who's right and who's wrong, but there's a difference in and Samoa Joe kind of mentioned this of like there's just sort of a difference in philosophy be, between uh, the the two sides here. So I was wondering, like, where you fell in, in just basically which side you, you, which philosophy you agree with. Yeah, it's it's tough. I read that great piece on ESPN on Friday about the whole expose, which was which was awesome to kind of see that behind the scenes things. Um, I guess I took away a couple things from it. Um, you know, punk punk is cantankerous. Like I said, he kind of poisons the well everywhere he goes. But I, I love his, you know, during the promo, like, tell me when I'm telling lies. You know, he, he's kind of a lot like Jimmy Butler in that way here in Minnesota sports. We know him and then watched him, you know, take Miami Heat to a couple NBA finals here. He doesn't go about it maybe in the best way, but his assessments are actually usually accurate and they're correct. Um, and I know that he said he's reached out to Hangman and Hangman's kind of been no comment on it. 
And I know with the elite with uh, Omega and the Young Bucks, definitely a lot more. There's armor up there. There's like lawyer speak going on. So I, I, I feel like Hangman does kind of want to make resolutions there. Uh, but he's so much, you know, he's buddies with the elite. He's he's right in that group. So how can you kind of leave your boys hanging there, not just in the ring, but outside of it, too? Um, I just want the best possible storyline for the fans, I guess, is kind of how I as, as as a consumer, I would hate for both those guys to be out a long time. Um, and to be honest with Hangman, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I, I saw it. They're trying to get him to a long term deal. Um, and I would love him to be in WWE. But would WWE also use him properly? I don't know. Like, uh, like he's a top dog in AEW. Would it take him like a year to get up to like the main a cart, uh, main main event card status at WWE? Um, I like both of them. I think everyone kind of handled a bit poorly, but those two are probably you know two of my favorite guys definitely in AEW right now. Yeah, yeah, those are uh, those are good. I mean, good choices. Like, and that's a good that's a good example of Jimmy Butler. It's it's better than my example. I was going to give the example of, like Randy Moss back in the day, like that I play when I want to play straight cash homie, like terrible teammate, but like you couldn't not play him. You know what I mean? Like, yes. So I know so there's some guys you just have to make exceptions for. Um, I've made it known over the years. I I'm I don't like CM Punk like just straight up like as as a person like I'm just not a fan of his. But I but I recognize how valuable he is in the wrestling space. I I understand it. And if and he's gonna make AEW better and bigger and and I mean the Collision was a it was a gigantic success and like I like I want AEW to succeed. So if that includes CM Punk being a part of it, I'm I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna my own personal biases aren't gonna like keep blinders on me to like understanding you know what's probably the right thing to do um and uh you, you mentioned uh the pop for cm punk that you saw live have you ever experienced a pop even like in like the football world like for the vikings have you ever been live to anything that that kind of was similar to that yeah i was i was luckily there at the minneapolis miracle game that was what i was gonna so. ask i figured that i mean that would be the one if, if so that yeah. was i mean that was that, no one saw that coming i think some people in the wrestling space and at target center that night knew that all right man it's been like three months punk could come back tonight like there was a belief there no one saw that play obviously coming <laughs> for for the vikings that one's de- definitely up there um i mean it was obviously cool seeing hangman win at full gear uh, I was also at, let's see here. I think this was 2017 TLC came to the target center. And I believe, I think Roman either got sick and Kurt angle had to jump in and wrestle with the shield. Yeah. And and that was like his first WWE wrestling event in like 12 years or something at the point. And the dude couldn't really move much anymore, <laughs> uh, but that was like cool to see. Uh, that was like awesome as like someone who again, loved the wrestling machine, loved Kurt angle uh, to see him like come down that shield entrance with those guys was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the Minneapolis miracle one is one that definitely comes to mind. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. I've been in a lot of events. Uh, the twins haven't done that for me in a long, long time. So I, I would love to say like, there's a twins moment, but I haven't really experienced that from the sports side. So that's why I try to dabble into some wrestling. If, even if it's superficial and it's staged just a little bit, uh, at least I can get that excitement in that pop. We got, we got forbidden door this weekend uh any matches that that stand out to you that you're really looking forward to on this card because i think last year was honestly one of, one of the best shows of the year so what are you thinking about this year's card so far so forbidden door is not like i haven't gotten full in on the new japan scene my, my buddy tyler okay. fornis who is a uh, huge he's on purple daily with us too i mean he is huge in in the new japan he's like trying to get me to like really understand some of these guys 
Cause like I, I got an AEW immediately. I know some people in WWE were just like, no, I'm not going to, you know, mix both these cards. And like, no, like more wrestling, the better for me. Um, obviously, you know, Omega is going to be wrestling and Daniel Bryan's are going to be wrestling. And those guys are, are can't miss. I really actually have fallen in love with jungle boy too. Um, you know, I, I, when I went to that full gear pay-per-view in 2021, I was still like, wasn't all fully ingrained with everyone on the AEW roster. And at that point I was like, wait, who is this guy? And why are we all waving his arm, waving our arms when he's, when he's coming out? But I also love that stuff. Like I love the uh, crowd involvement and stuff. So I'll probably dabble into it a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I just like that con has kind of opened up, you know, for the lack of better words, this door with other companies that make AEW a little bit stronger and kind of be like this funnel system where, you know, WWE has NXT, which is great. Uh, but there can be other ones too in, in the AEW sphere. And I love that Khan has kind of been able to get all this to work together too. This now, now I want to ask a, a follow up on this because this is always a interesting debate online when it comes to Forbidden Door and guys just kind of popping in and then you might not see them again. Like we had Will Ospreay showing up last Wednesday and, and kicking Omega. And like he's been on AEW television before. Okada wrestled at Forbidden Door last year and they're in the big matches against uh omega and danielson respectively but do you feel like as someone who doesn't really keep up with new japan like oh these guys are being introduced well i understand like kind of their their value their place in the new japan hierarchy or do you think like aw could actually do a better job of that of explaining like why are these guys so important that they that they should have these matches against the Osp- or against the Omegas and Danielsons? Yeah, pr- I think probably a little bit more of the latter, especially um, you know, AEW is trying to be this new spider webby kind of catch all wrestling fans, and it'd be nice to kind of get a lot more of that backstory because obviously, like the hardcore guys, you know, you, you guys especially, and and so many others, they know New Japan, they know all these guys. Where you know, if you're like me and you're maybe you're a little bit casual, you're more casual on the AEW side of things it's just hard to like keep, keep all that stuff together. Um, and I, I think they definitely could do probably a, a little bit better job. Cause yes, I mean, all respect to that new Japan scene. I mean, that's, that's also incredible just because I don't watch. It does not mean that I don't have incredible respect for all those dudes. Cause I, I know how much new Japan wrestling does, you know, I, I've, I know Jericho has talked a lot about how new Japan rest has meant to him um, traveling all over the world and, and bouncing from company to company in a good way. Uh, but yeah, I, I think AW could probably benefit from just, explaining that stuff a little bit more you know it's, it's weird because like in the nfl like we know what the xfl is and we know what the usfl is but like no one cares about it but like with new japan and with all these other companies like no these are actually talented people like xfl and the usfl doesn't have talent uh and that that's a that's a sport problem we're like no in wrestling and new japan and all this stuff there is equally if not better talent than aw and wwe and we just don't really know anything about it which kind of stinks that's a really good i'm glad you asked that question jeremy because we get that uh there's that that kind of discourse comes up often with amongst like the hardcore wrestling fans especially of like because I'm, I'm i'm guilty of it too because i'm i'm such a fan of like the independent wrestling i'm watching most of these guys but by the time they're in AEW, i've been watching a lot of these guys for like a decade before they've been there so for me i'm just always watching things just kind of assuming like okay i get what's going on so i'm good with it but it's good to know like that they could be doing a better job uh, kind of explaining what's going on. Um, you mentioned the the XFL. Um, obviously, The Rock is involved with that, and The Rock has not had a great, uh, you know, I guess last couple months. Uh, him being in the world of wrestling and the world of football, what are your kind of your opinions of The Rock currently? Because the one thing I'll throw out there is the 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 more he continues to kind of, 
I don't know if fail is the right word, but he, he's been having some misses lately, which is uncharacteristic of The Rock. The more this happens, the more likely I feel like Cody's going to get boxed out from the Roman position yeah. and like The Rock is going to come back um, and just like swoop this all up. How do you feel about like The Rock and like the, the possibility of him like returning to wrestling or, or kind of where he's at? Yeah, well, I, I have we, we've kind of been talking about the whole XFL thing and how even like I wonder if one day, not one day like soon like what if the saudis come up and swoop up the xfl especially with now with this live and pga merger and then they swoop it up they have this unlimited amount of money and hell i mean maybe they buy a gd wrestling band too but what if they swoop that up and now they're paying you know lamar jackson who was in a contract negotiation instead of going to the back to the ravens dude you can play for us for 500 million dollars ball out because the talent stinks you're going to stay a lot healthier etc um, and I, I think that I think the rocks looking to sell that to probably make some money back. And yeah, to your point, even though he's the rock and I'm sure he's still doing just fine. He's had a little bit of a bath here in, in, in 2023. And I, I just wonder, you know, is it going to be in a similar situation that they had with Cena, you know, when he came back where like he takes the belt off punk and punk was a champion, same thing, right? Like punk was a champion for like 500 days. Um, and then he has it for a little bit. He introduces a new title, but we and all the writing on the wall once he was going to face Cena, like, oh, he's probably going to lose to Cena, and then he's going to go bye-bye again. Um, yeah, I would, I would hate for – I know everyone's been waiting for the Reigns and Rock angle, and I'm sure it's probably going to happen soon. But, yes, I would not want it to come at the expense of Cody. Uh, I think that'd be bad. And I know that, you know, the whole finish the story and the whole I'm, – I'm sure there's another layer to this that is great. I just – I don't know if you're going to be able to recapture that magic that they had going into that WrestleMania. I mean, I, that was the first time I was like, legit upset at an ending of a card like i i finished night two of mania live watching that and i was just pissed um now i got over it kind of quickly because like all right it's still roman reigns it's awesome (laughs) but like man like are you gonna have another guy that that was that over i mean the only guy that really challenged him well was that was mcintyre at clash the castle and i i think even going into that we were just more impressed with how amazing that match was but yeah, I just I would hate for The Rock to block it. I think he's probably going to come back in some capacity. Maybe he's like the special guest referee like he was for Cena in The Miz. Uh, but yeah, I don't want it to come at the expense of Cody Rhodes either. I, I don't mean to laugh at you, you know, being upset at, at the wrestling. Jensen is the biggest Cody fan in, in the yeah. world, <laughs> in my opinion. He was going to dye his hair get a neck tattoo well, i would know listen i wasn't gonna do the neck i wasn't gonna get the nightmare factory tattoo on my arm i wasn't gonna do it on my neck but i was gonna show up with with bleach blonde hair i had to cancel a, a hair dyeing appointment and a tattoo appointment after wrestlemania night two because of this so. all of a sudden you got like botox just like like your cheeks are just like on fire like there's all the way up there i could see that too yeah he he is he's the biggest cody fan and he had to cancel all these plans because cody lost and so anytime anybody mentions like i was really upset cody lost too my natural reaction is just to to smile and and laugh because i know jensen's pain through yeah, it and sure. I, I just i i try to laugh at steven jensen's pain because i'm and, a terrible terrible co-host and that's fair but there's but there's <laughs> but there's hundreds of thousands of people honestly that like that are wrestling fans that all they were like they were ready for cody to win that match like it was like the yeah. moment was perfect it's so, true I mean, I mean even though i'm like super biased and i i'm mr cody fan like everyone else who likes Cody, like we were all screwed that night. <laughs> like that was like, I can't, I still can't believe I have nightmares of solo's thumb. So yeah. often just hitting Cody. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. I, I think what just sucked too was, yeah, was that ending. Like if, I guess if Roman would have pinned him clean, like, all right, 
I get it. But like the fact Solo had to come and get involved, give him the spike, and it's like, and you saw it coming. You're like, no, 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 no. Like he'll kick out, he'll kick out, and just one, two, three, and you're just like, damn it. Like that's how, that's how we're gonna end the biggest pay per view of the year, and the guy that was most over. And I guess maybe it was it was too predictable. You know, like maybe maybe that's it. Uh, but it was just it was just so bizarre seeing that one play out. How did Phil feel about that one? Being a, a wrestling fan, also. Yeah, he was he was more. We were like texting during it and stuff too. And I remember talking about it the next day. And he was more buying of no, like let's finish this story. Like let, let's 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 embrace finishing the story here. Like let's not be completely um, out on the fact that he didn't win at WrestleMania. It's going to be a full circle thing. Um, and I actually, I did appreciate Triple H's press conference with that too, of, of how he kind of explaining, at least I know they don't really tip their hand on the creative there, but I, I, I love that. In fact, the press conference angle in general with that, that AEW does, um, that WWE is now starting to do a little bit because of AEW. I think that stuff's genius. Um, now like MJF, like how much of that is like him just being MJF, how much of that is real? I don't know. But I, I did appreciate that part that like Hunter goes on the podium and kind of explains the thought process of the creative of why we didn't put the belt on Cody that night. Um, and part of me did kind of buy into it for better or worse. I mean, the, if, if you bought into we don't finish stories, then, you know, but bless those press conferences, I, I have to cover them. And some of them, they could just be very, very tedious when it comes to that stuff. They're only in the third inning. Maybe they're in the fourth right. now after this last couple of times uh jensen any more wrestling stuff because i know we we're gonna talk some minnesota sports here and i know you're wearing your your vikings jersey but mm-hmm. I, I want you to to get any more wrestling stuff that, that we need to get out of because i know he's also a, a wild fan or covers the wild and i have beef yeah. with that so okay cool so yeah so Declan covers all minnesota sports and score north does a great job of that um i am i live in atlanta georgia my dad is from like north dakota his whole side of the family like north dakota minnesota all wisconsin all up there but they're all vikings fans so that's why i'm so loyal to the vikings been watching my whole life and uh and yeah so i mean there's a lot that i could definitely i could definitely ask you about um as far as as far as the vikings goes like right now, especially. Oh, well, I'll just put it put it out there. Y'all mentioned my, my Vikings jersey. I'm wearing number 19, Adam yep. Thielen. One of my favorite players ever. Now, another reason I wore it, Jeremy's actually a Carolina Panthers fan. So <sighs> there you go. Double meaning here today. Um, Declan doesn't know this yet, but I'm actually auditioning right now to become a part of Score North as a, like a part-time Vikings <laughs> wrestling correspondent. So like, yes. I hope I kill this. Love um, But uh, no, I'm, I'm just playing. But but, uh, but you know, I, I love Adam Thielen. I love Eric Kendricks. Like, there's all, we've been losing some guys that I'm, like, really attached to. Um, where are we at with Daniel Hunter right now? Yeah, so this is a really just tough contract situation for him because he missed a season and a half. Last year he came back and, and still put up really solid numbers. But are you going to be able to pay someone um, who is going to be entering his 30s? And can you still pay him a long time when you still have some salary cap issues going forward? And got to give big money to guys like Justin Jefferson and Darisaw and eventually TJ Hawkinson and who the hell knows what they'll do with Kirk. Um, if you can, if how I would do it is I would give him a three-year deal and I give him a bunch of money in those two years. I, it would basically become a two-year deal. Um, I, I'd make him happy for the next two years. And then I'd probably say bye-bye and let him cash out one more contract somewhere else. Uh, I, I don't know if he wants that. And I'm assuming he probably doesn't. He wants to get, one big payday now so he knows that when he turns 30 he probably won't get that contract again totally get that it's life-changing money for people 
Uh, but if they can figure out a way to give him like a two to three year deal with a bunch of money up front to make him happy after maneuvering all this cash all over the place, then I'm for it. I mean, th- the defense needs him. He kind of yeah. has them playing out of their hand here. And I think they'll make him happy, but I, I don't hope that they give him like a five or a six year deal. I hope it's on the short term front and they just kind of kind of be able to bandaid this together for a little longer. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope they figure things out with the Neil. Like there's there's some guys like like Adam Thielen, I understand like he wants to be the top receiver or or more involved and like he'll get that chance in Carolina. I think he's gonna have a good season in Carolina. So I think it makes sense that Thielen would move on, the Vikings would move on. Like it I hate to see it, but I understand it where both parties are at right now that we would lose Thielen. It's kind of thing with Kendricks. But then you have guys like Harrison Smith, who I consider kind of heroes because they take the less money and they stay and they're going to end their career with the Vikings. And I love seeing that as well. Um, but I feel like Daniel is someone we just can't lose. Now, one other guy I want to ask you about, because he's very polarizing. He's very polar. He's probably the most polarizing guy that you guys cover every single episode that you guys talk about football. Um, I just want to throw this out there from my perspective as a fan of Vikings, someone who doesn't cover the Vikings, but just been watching a long time. I am terrified of losing Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and I know that like, that's such a coward perspective to have, but you know, I got into the Vikings in, in 97. So I was like nine years old in 97. So I was really lucky that I was like conscious and understanding football a little bit as a kid through like the Randy Moss era. And, you know, I lived in Atlanta. So unfortunately in 98 and we lose the NFC championship game, I, you know, I was, you know, I had to live in Atlanta and deal with that. You know what I mean? And, it, and still to this day, my friends still roast me for that one game and that one missed field goal, um, Gary Anderson. Um, but because of all of this, and because I've watched the Tavares Jacksons and the Christian Ponders and these guys not work out. Mm-hmm. And Kirk, I saw you guys just the other day, put him in like the top 10. You all basically mm-hmm. collectively said he's a top 10 quarterback. But I also understand the limitations there. I get it. It's a really tough position to be in if you're the Vikings because you you can do so much worse than Kirk, but he isn't like he isn't a Mahomes. Like he just isn't. So like I just want to throw that out there just to let you know, I guess, because I know you guys do the vent line, you get a lot of perspective from Vikings fans. I'm in the camp of like, I really hope we can keep Kirk, but at the same time, we gotta pay Justin. The, the main the main priority needs to be locking down Justin Jefferson long term. I don't care who the quarterback is as long as we have him, but man, I also lived through like losing Randy Moss over Dante Culpepper and stuff. And like, that was just such a bad move in hindsight. So um, how do you, like, do you think that this is the last year for Kirk and like, we're just trying to find out who the successor to him is going to be. And it really just is about locking in Jefferson and kind of letting the the pieces fall from there. Yeah. I I think they're going to move on from him. I I think this is the last year. And, you know, I I know the fear of unknown what you're talking about there, that, that you finally have a stable, nice quarterback here. I mean, is he, is he the prettiest girl on the street? No, but you know, he's a stable relationship. You're happy. You're committed. I get all that. Uh, but I, they need to draft their own guy here. And, you know, I know the chiefs were a prime example of this, you know, they move on from Alex Smith, who again is a safe, solid, secure quarterback. They find Patrick Mahomes, they develop him for a year and he turns into the best quarterback in the world. I also understand that that's more of a one in a million thing, basically. Um, but, you know, the Vikings have also won a lot of games with Band-Aid quarterbacks, right? To your point about Dante, or not Dante, but uh, Tavares Jackson and Brad Johnson's and Randall Cunningham's. I mean, they, they have figured out ways to win games with not elite quarterback play. Case Keenum, um, one great year. Boom. I mean, yeah. th- there's, there's, I'm tr- I was trying to think when you were giving your question there, I was trying to think of like, who's like a mid-card wrestler 
who has never been WWE champion that like gets a lot of, that's like safe, but not like uh like worldly known as one of the best guys, but like also doesn't deserve maybe to be like WWE champion. Like I'm trying to think. So that'd be like, that be. maybe like a Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Like yeah. he's been around forever. He's won titles. Let's not. Yeah, he's never been the WWE champion though. Yeah, he he's won the world title. He's won the world, the world title, title, right? Like, that, the world, world whatever. He's won. A little different. That was when the big gold really wasn't as. Well. Anyway, the the point. My point. Okay. My point is, I get what you're saying. Though. I get the. I yeah. get the analogy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like he's he's solid. He's good. Um, but he's probably never going to be good enough to be be the man, right? And I think if they if they want to enter the future of unknown or get a rookie quarterback or get that bridge guy to help, you know, basically facilitate the rookie, I think they will. The fact that they've paused these contract negotiations to me, I mean, Kirk could go out and ball out, and then he's going to price himself out of the Vikings' radar, basically. Right. So I think he'll get another contract, but I do think that this is the last year of Kirk Cousins in purple. Okay, last question I got for you, because I can talk about Vikings all day, and I know Jeremy <laughs> has some questions, too. I know you speak about the Vikings at nauseum, so I appreciate you even answering these questions yeah, like outside of your job. But... um. And this is a this is an area that's been popping up. I'm just going to throw it out there for Vikings fans. Throw it out there for you. I know you've thought about this too, but it's been in the back of my mind for years, and now it's just like kind of almost playing out. If if Kirk isn't there next year, and they draft a quarterback, and they need a bridge quarterback, or they need to do something because the, the next guy isn't ready yet, I mean, what percentage would you put it on? I'm sure it's a low percentage, but out of 100, percent what do you think the actual realistic chance is that Aaron Rodgers finishes his career in Minnesota? <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's pulling the exact Brett Favre, the dude, exact it's, Brett Favre moves it's, right it's now. the exact playbook. Uh, I would say like 15 to 20 percent. Um, I, I the weird thing is like he's playing outdoors again, which I thought maybe like as he got older, he'd like to move inside. And I mean, and look, Brett did that same thing. So maybe he's following those same footsteps. Um, I, I would say like 20 percent. Uh, if it'd be really interesting, right. If like things just go sideways with the jets and he's like, Nope, I, I still want to play ball, but I, it's not going to be here in 2024. Let me call up uh, Kevin O'Connell and see what, what, what's going on. But I don't even know if they want to do that. You know, I, I think Quasi right. and KOC, uh, both work hand in hand here a little bit. Um, and Quasi, you know, being the stock market trader guy, uh, I don't know if that would be the best investment to make right now. Right. Like, I don't think you'd rather be able to invest in something that, you want to put a lot of capital into and that you're, that you're proud of. And I don't think it is a 39 year old Aaron Rodgers. but dude, you're right. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> shock me. No, it would not shock me one bit if that happened. Well, so I'm of y'all's mindset. We, we, we differ in, in, in uh, philosophy a little bit, me and you guys at the store North, we have the same catchphrase in our heads. Yeah. I want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before I die. That's the most important thing. But I'm willing to completely sell out for that. Like, I don't care if the Vikings suck for a decade. Like, if we have to sack our team one season, I just want to see it happen. Don't care what yeah. it takes. So I'm like, I'm for like, whatever, you know. But, and so like, I'll hear like Judd, for instance. Judd's a genius. He's a football genius. And, but he'll always be talking about like, you know, three, four seasons from now, we're setting up for this and that. And I'm sitting there going, I get that. But like, we've never won. So yeah. like, we like, what's one this year? What do we have to do to win this year? And I just think about like my grandpa, who was a season ticket holder, day one Vikings who passed away, never got to see it. Mm-hmm. My dad's getting there up there in age. I'm in my thirties. You know, it's like, we got to win a damn Super Bowl. So yeah. I don't care how we have to do it. If it involves having to get Aaron selling out to get Aaron Rodgers, we got, we got one incredible season out of Brett Favre. I totally slipped on him. I, he was my least favorite player of all time. And now <laughs> I got, I got Brett Favre memorabilia in my, in my living room. You know what I mean? So. Um, I just want to throw that out there too, that 
we're all we're all in this for the same thing as Vikings fans. We just want to see this happen. I'm just of the mindset of like I'm cool with completely selling out to make it happen. And you know, the, the Rams have done this to a degree. Like the Rams might be really bad for the next few years, but probably worth it for them. Um, and it it's a sport too, and in the NFL where it's just hard, even when you tank and when you you know, uh, forego, I got not tank, but when you forego a lot of your draft picks, it's still hard for you to be like consistently bad. We're like in baseball, like when the Kansas city Royals who are, were just dormant and was terrible for like the first 20 years of my life. And then they pop up and win a couple world series. And then once again, they're bad again, and going to be bad for the foreseeable future as someone who's ever experienced that I'll, I'll take the Royals route any day, um, over the future of just being, you know, stable and good and competitive, but never great. Um, I I'll do, I'm with you, man. Like I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And if that means the Vikings are in the Super Bowl tomorrow and then they don't do it again for, or they're not even in the playoffs for 10 more, 15 more years, sign me up. I'll take that bet every time. I'm with you. And for, for the record, I'm, 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 I'm big on Kevin O'Connell and, and Quincy, by yeah. the way, I, I love both those guys. Jeremy, I've got all my questions. Uh, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to, I know I've, I've taken this whole thing over, but this is no, like, no. This, I mean, this is a, this is the most niche Steven Jensen podcast you'll ever hear. I love it. Vikings and wrestling <laughs> combined. So I don't get this, I, I, all, saying, I don't get this opportunity very often. I, I look. I knew there was going to be Minnesota Vikings talk. Um, I was fully expecting that. I was just saying the banners hang forever, and this is where I take a shot at at your hockey team because okay. you're called the state of hockey. I don't understand it. You have a, a fake rivalry with my favorite hockey team, a team that has won Stanley Cups as early as a year ago. Technically, almost a year to the day. Uh, I understand you won a couple of playoff series like a decade ago, and so Minnesota fans like to hang their hat on that. But like, what what else is going on there in Minnesota with hockey to be called the state of hockey? I'm I'm just a little I'm confused at this at this nickname where they haven't accomplished anything in hockey. Yeah, so I, I think that what what maybe the like outsider perspective gets confused on that or why it's very mockable uh, is because they see state of hockey through the Minnesota Wild lens and or even the North Stars lens before, um, and they don't probably understand the impact that high school hockey has here, that college hockey has here, and I'm sure there is some belief in that 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 it is legit. I mean, they they produce a ton of these kids our boys hockey tournament sells out and, and produces more attendance than like two thirds of NHL arenas on a given night during that championship weekend. Uh, but the wild are like slowly entering the state. Like I have a, I just have a huge disdain now for the twins. They are like the toxic ex-girlfriend that like, I need you out of my life for whatever reason you keep coming back to them. Right. The wild are slowly entering that uh, they've had really good teams. They've had really good players. Hockey is so random too. It's not like, you know, if, uh, like if, if you're a twins fan, you ran into the Yankees buzzsaw, like, all right, you ran into the Yankees. Like I, I understand that, uh, you know, that now the NBA is getting a little bit better in parody, but like if, if the wolves are good and they're running into Steph Curry and the warriors at their peak, okay. Like you're just losing to the better team. The wild have had paths to get to the Stanley cup. No problem. And, and the stars weren't as good as them in my, they could have beaten the stars. I should have said this year, they easily could have beat the blues last year. They took the Knights to seven games the year before that. Like they, the paths has been there for the wild for the last three years. And especially with now a superstar in Kaprizov um, that it, it's, it's kind of just now getting maddening of well, what, what else can they do here? Um, but th- I, I get why the state of hockey nickname does get a little bit mocked outside of Minnesota. It does make sense. 
I, I, as a, as a big hockey fan, I actually, I understand it's a lot of NCAA that comes to it. I don't know it on the, the high school level, but I know like the, the Minnesota NCAA hockey team and everything they host there. A lot, a lot goes into that being the state of hockey as an avalanche fan. I will mock the state of hockey mono, uh, motto because, you know, we've actually got Stanley cups to, yes. to show forth. You're right about like the NHL, just, you never know on this. And I think this is where it can be frustrating if, your team either is very good or feels good enough. Cause for years, the abs were right there and they yeah. couldn't get over the hump. Couldn't get out of the second round was, was the big knock on them. And then they go 16 and four last year, win the cup and all is great. And this past year, like didn't have depth, didn't have really anything beyond McKinnon, Ranton and McCarr. And also just got goalied a little bit. And yeah. you, you want to talk about goalied Sergei Bobrovsky carries the team to the finals and then all of a sudden he turns into Sergei Barbowski again against the Golden Knights. But like, you just need like a spectacular goalie performance and that can carry you all the way to the finals. And then sometimes Minnesota doesn't get that or their offense just completely sputters in, in these games. And, but it is very rare. There's a lot of luck involved mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to hockey. And even though I am kind of built to dislike the Minnesota wild, Marion Gabrick, one of my favorite non abs yeah. players of all time. I love Kaprizov. I don't know how you're a hockey fan and like, don't enjoy watching Kaprizov yes. play, even if like he's against your team or anything. Uh, I'll never root for them, but I, I appreciate that you, you, I appreciate that they are getting to that point with you because they, they should honestly, yeah. they're, they're letting a lot of fans down. It, it's hilarious to me. But yeah, well, I, I bet it's really down. funny. I mean, <laughs> even even like call like I get your Colorado side. Like, yeah, they've had top horses there for a while. Like, when the hell are they ever going to do this here? And, and they were obviously able to do it last year with that core. Um, and yeah, like the Wild, you know, they've always been a center away, or maybe they don't have all the depth. But um, if they could figure out a way to put this all together, because I mean, most likely they're not going to be able to resign Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, he's going to get the bag somewhere else on the West Coast or the East Coast. So. That won't shock me at all. So we have like three years left to really make this happen with the best player in franchise history. Um, so hopefully, I think they're probably going to take a step back next th- this coming season. But if they can pop back up and then get out of this buyout hell if they're in with Prezan and Suter buyouts, then they'll hopefully be you know back to being a, a regular contender again too. Two of the greatest contracts of all time, Zach Prezan yeah. and Ryan Suter. God, fantastic contracts. Love Ugh. it. Absolutely. Jeremy, <laughs> if you want to know more about um, I actually I was actually pretty aware of like how big of a deal. Um, like high school um, hockey and stuff is in Minnesota, like, like the youth and everything. Um, when I was growing up, like, I don't know if you, you should check it out, Jeremy, there was these documentaries in the nineties. It was about like youth hockey all the way through um, high school hockey. Um, it was mighty ducks and then D2 and D3. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was about to say that's I thought that's where you're going with this, by the way. I was like, the only like non NHL stuff that I know about Minnesota is just it's all, the, the Mighty Ducks stuff. That's all I need to know, man. That was Minnesota Miracle Man, Gordon Bombay, all those kids grew up loving hockey. Look where they wound up, man. Um, uh, I don't know much I, about hockey, but I love me some Mighty Ducks. Um, oh, yeah. Well, Declan, real quick, better movie, Mighty Ducks or Little Giants? Uh, Mighty Ducks. Mighty the original Ducks. or do you have a preference of the yeah the, uh I, I would say the original i know a lot of people like d2 more um d3 is an abomination been made yeah, um fair. but uh but i i would i would say mighty ducks mighty ducks for sure okay gotta go with it yeah i'm gonna, I'm, ask, I'm, one I'm, bas- I'm gonna ask one basketball question uh as i assume again you cover and, and like the the timberwolves 
Has Carl Anthony Towns really changed the game? Do you think he'll really change the game by the end of it? And was winning a play-in game more impressive than a championship? He is. Uh, he's a clown. He he's like one of the least self-aware people athletes I've ever seen. Um, and he's incredibly talented, no doubt. But he lacks so much self-awareness. And you know that that's one of the. This is a thing, not just in athletes, but like people who just like aren't self-aware and and are just completely aloof like that. Drive me up a wall. Uh, so if they can trade him this summer, great. I know it's a little more complicated and, and might be more likely that it's next summer that that trade happens. They will. But I think you build around Anthony Edwards, who clearly has this that uh, a gene that is worth keeping, and he's a little bit more, you know, just aware than than compared to Cat. That the Wolves are hopefully going to be in a better spot. But if I, I would get rid of Cat tomorrow, basically, if I was running the team, I am. So you, my sports fandom is all over the place. I just said I'm an Avs fan. Jensen mentioned I'm a Panthers fan. I'm also a Thunder fan. So again, all over the place uh, for me. And like for my team. If you would just drop Carl Anthony Towns like the 2K player on yeah. my team, I'm like, this is a fantastic fit. Absolutely. But when you start to get into like the mindset and the mentality and like the actual like off court kind of just things with yep. him, and it's not just skill set, like, yeah, I don't really want this guy. On yeah, my I team. think I think if he be if he can become aware, if he can become aware that he's just the complimentary piece, he's the he's the Robin to someone's Batman, then it's it's a lot different. But he thinks he's still Batman and it's like, no, buddy, like you are, you're barely even Robin at this point. If, if he can, if he can come to terms with that, I think he, he can be in a lot better spot. He's never been, it's always been, whether it, it was Butler or mm-hmm. now, now it's Anthony Edwards, maybe like the, the brief D'Angelo Russell time. And when Edwards was like a rookie, maybe it was him, but those teams weren't very good. So no, there's probably a reason for that. Yeah, he, he's got to, I think, just come to the terms of like, you're just going to be the second fiddle on a, on a championship team. And if he does, I, I think he can, he can still help someone for sure. He's too good not to help someone, but yeah, until he kind of gets to that point, he's always going to be a little bit more of a loop in that factor. Well, I, I, I wish uh, the Timberwolves and I don't wish the wild the best, but I do wish the Timberwolves <laughs> some sort of appreciate uh, it. They need it. Success. <laughs> they need it. I like the, t- the Timberwolves. They, they destroyed uh, my thunder in the, in the play in game because we have literally no centers. And it's like, if you're going to pick a matchup, I don't care how the towns and go bear fit does or doesn't work. If you have those two guys against a team whose tallest players, like six foot nine, you're probably going to win that basketball game. Yeah. And, and that's basically what happened. But you know, anytime you can trade your entire future for uh, a guy <laughs> who sets bear. a hard screen, you kind of no. got to do it. Oh uh, yeah. Even when the Tim, uh, uh, Pat Royce, our legendary columnist here in Minnesota says, even when the Timberwolves do the right thing, they do the wrong thing. Like, that is <laughs> that's, that's Wolves basketball in a nutshell for sure. I actually had a little hope that would work. It's like, it's different, you know, let's go big. Nobody else is doing this. This could yeah, actually it... work. And no, it did not. <laughs> so now we're stuck with them and we'll, uh, didn't we'll, at all. we'll, we'll see what the hell happens with them going forward. It didn't at all. All right. Um, Jensen, anything else before we, we ask our, our typical final question. I definitely want to make sure you, you hit more Minnesota sports. Uh, specifically. No, the Vikings we're, we're good. Like. We're good. We'll have, we'll have Declan on if he's free sometime during the, the football season as well. If you're good with that. Nice. Declan. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. I'd love awesome. to come back on. We'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk a little uh, NFL season as it's going on and uh, get caught up on wrestling stuff. Um, we ask everyone what the coolest thing in their room is. If you have something you can show us. 
Uh, so I'm in the, I just moved in here like a month ago. And in fact, my, my office office that I'm in now was in another room. And then this room got flipped into another room. So let's see here. What do I want to show? I got one. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Cool. Hold on. How about this? Let's go. Let's go with this. We got a, uh, I got some of the memorabilia here that has to get up on the wall, but Got a sign, uh, Joe Maurer when he when he came back. Oh yeah, there oh, you go, nice. huh? I got to turn out this light to get a little less glare. Yeah, a little less, a uh, little autograph when he came back out as a catcher. I'll be honest, there was a little bit of a teary-eyed moment when that happened as someone who grew up a big Joe Maurer fan uh, from St. Paul, Minnesota here too. So yeah, it's probably the coolest thing in here. There's a guitar in here, a uh, couple other baseball random stuff. I moved my dog's bed into here thinking he'd like chill on his bed. It lasted five minutes. He was like, Nah, I'm peacing out, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's probably the coolest thing that's probably in here, to be completely honest. Hey, Joe Maurer, absolute legend for he he's one of those guys. He could have taken the money and bounced and he wound up staying a Minnesota guy. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I always got respect for those guys. Um, not not that I don't have respect for guys like Adam Thielen. I get it. But, you know, I just wish he would have taken less money and stayed. Yeah, it was time to move on. He was, I mean, maybe he's still a good red zone target with Carolina with uh, little Bryce Young there. Jeremy, good luck with that. Um, I'm. I'm hoping. I mean, Bryce yeah. Young needs somebody to throw the ball yeah. to. And once you yeah. trade DJ Moore, it's like, well, who do you have? I know Thielen kind of on the downswing and everything, but I just need a reliable guy who can, you know, catch a little five-yard pass and be okay. So I'm hoping for the best with, with this. I know it's going to be a – like when you have the number one overall pick, I understand they traded for it, but they weren't good last year until Matt Rule got fired and then they went on to a little stretch that was – uh courtesy of a bad division and i think a lot of panthers fans got into their head that they were better than they are so i understand it's probably not gonna happen this year unless bryce young really lights it up but the next couple of years i I, fingers crossed we can do something yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely see what happens i love that the panthers have been to two super bowls in the last like 20 years and the vikings haven't been one in 40 so it's just uh (laughs) that's that fun uh fun game oh the super bowl 50 is gonna haunt me forever absolutely haunt me forever it's just uh, i'm never going to get over that one unless they actually win one that one was uh that was a tough night very tough night. yeah well the vikings we're, we're still trying to recover from the the minneapolis miracle whole situation like we got to play at home and the whole thing i mean it was just i still can't believe we let that slide away like it's rough it's rough man it's rough seeing some of these vikings decisions but i like i like the new regime a lot better than what yeah. we were dealing with before I've lived through a clown, a clown car of, of, of coaches of, I like Danny green, but man, when you get into the Brad Childers and Mike Tice, well, Mike Tice wasn't as bad in hindsight, I guess, when you, when you think about it, I guess, but Brad, Brad Childers, Childress. there's a the Frazier yeah. and, and Mike Tice and, uh, and, uh, and Zimmer was just there way too long. And dude, I, like, you know, they're like, Antoine Winfield's my favorite defensive player ever. Yeah. Like I hated when we lost him and then we wouldn't draft his son, just all these weird, just. I just hate it. So I like where the Vikings are at. I like where our heads are at. And I love listening to Declan and Phil and Judd talk about the Vikings over at Scorner North. So definitely go and uh, check out everything they got going on. Um, Declan, as we wrap this up, man, Jeremy, do you have any other questions before we wrap up? No, nope. Um, let everyone know where to find you. I'll, I'll plug all your stuff. And uh, and thanks again, man. You were, you were a great guest on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, any, anytime I can uh, blend some wrestling and, and Minnesota sports here, I'm, I'm always game to do so. Um, you can follow us uh, at Scorn Art. We have two YouTube pages. We have Scorn North MN. That's kind of more of an all-encompassing Minnesota sports show uh, where we talk. We still talk Vikings there too. We talk Vikings, Twins, Wild Wolves. And then we have Purple Daily, which is which is our our, our big dog show. That's a seven day a week Vikings show. 
Um, Vikings event line during the seasons really are our, our WrestleMania, if you will. Uh, after every game, we bring on fans who are mostly pissed off and maybe a little bit inebriated uh, to talk about the Vikings games. Go just just type Minnesota Vikings event line, even uh, Minnesota Vikings event line, Colts game or Bills game from this last season, and watch oh. the two-hour euphoria of crazy <laughs> Vikings fans realizing what's happening. Uh, it's an absolute blast. You can follow me too. I'm on Twitter at Dex's tweets too. If you want to uh, want to see a good blend of Minnesota sports and, and some wrestling thoughts as well. Yes, definitely. Check all that out. Y'all super entertaining. And congratulations to you guys on all the success. Like you, over the last few seasons, especially I've, I've noticed significant growth in like the viewership. And I love how you guys jump on right after the game. Sometimes if it's like overtime, you're on there before the game's even over. And um, it's, it's really cool to have. I, I watch you guys, when I'm doing my day job and stuff. And uh, I like some of the short form YouTube guys, but you guys are my favorite as far as like the long form sit down real conversations and uh, you guys do great work, man. So, uh, so thanks again for joining. We, we really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for having me on boys. I'll, uh, I'd love to do it again too. Thank you. Thank you, Declan. Uh, guys, everyone follow him. Every, uh, check out all the links below. Go check out uh, Dex's tweets um, on Twitter and follow all the stuff with Skull on Skull North uh, with the, the Vikings and everything else he's covering out there in Minnesota. Guys, we'll be right back here on the Spotlight. We are back, and thank you to Declan Goff for joining us in the Creator Spotlight talking professional wrestling and Minnesota sports. Annie B, I did not miss Soup Chat. That was an interview we recorded on Tuesday and just aired now. So we were not live for that. Yes. Uh, the kids, freak the kids out. I think I uh, cut through the time-space continuum there. Like, why are you in the living room? You're on the television. Cloned myself, everybody. I cloned myself. Annie B says, Stephen, where are you with Cody's booking? No longer think he's beating Reigns. Do you think... Cody or Vince sees Cody as a top guy. You're all good, Andy B. I, I was just uh let you know I did not forget it. Uh Jensen is gone, but I did DM him your super chat and he wrote me back with the following response. He said, I think Vince views Cody as a top guy, but there's also new owners that might be more comfortable with Roman because he's proven and established as the face of their company. I do like the booking to a degree, though, because Cody's still very over, but he is currently just killing time until the Brock trilogy, and hopefully he wins that and goes on to win the title. So that was Jensen's response to you, Super Chat. Thank you very much for sending in the Super Chat. We really appreciate it. Personally, I think the guys, yeah, yeah, let me talk to you. LA Knight should defeat Cody Rhodes. He should defeat Roman Reigns. He should honestly be the champion forever. Just to upset Steven Jensen at this point. I think it's hilarious how much he dislikes LA Knight. I don't get it. LA Knight rules. Don't understand Jensen's hate there. Guys, we'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode of the spotlight. We will talk uh, forbidden door fallout. We'll preview money in the bank and everything else going on in the world of professional wrestling. Thank you to Stephen Jensen as always for, for joining me on this show. Glad to be back uh, here on this show. Everyone go to fightful overbooked, go check out all the stuff we have going on over there in the weeds Monday, Wednesday, Friday, myself and Joel Pearl with a uh, plethora of people over there that's uh monday wednesday friday from 10 a.m to noon eastern time tomorrow on in the weeds we have nicole matthews she'll be wrestling at uh girls next door this weekend nicole matthews and uh jack vaughn 
if you have seen the viral video of him you know, holding on to, to the man as he's doing his bouncy on the ropes and a little TikTok video that went viral this past week. Jack Bond's going to join us to discuss that video and everything else going on in his career. So two guests tomorrow, along with just the usual wrestling talk ahead of another big weekend in wrestling. We've got a new episode of New Japan Bread Club up right now on Fightful Overbook, so everyone can go check that out. Check out the preview. Matt and Kieran, uh, they're talking G1 Climax preview. They're talking All Together again. Uh, they're reviewing that show, and they're talking Forbidden Door as well. So go check out New Japan Bread Club and everything else we got going on on fight flipper book don't follow me on twitter follow steven jensen on twitter at fight talk underscore that's everything thank you guys again for i love the support everything going on uh everything you guys do for for us here at fightful that keeps us going we really appreciate it thank you all for the super chats thank you all for the comments just in the chat in general it is much appreciated guys you know we'll be back next week until then we'll talk to y'all later goodbye everybody when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.